What are you listening to? You don't know that the guy's just put I know that. No, this is one that I know. Tom Brady's bordering now on Godlike. You gotta put the bourbon down and go to a doctor. He's... All right, listen up, y'all. Everybody and welcome to Bump and Run. I'm Pete Colasano here with my friend Scott Bracy. What's going on, dude? Good afternoon, buddy boy. You know, for such a quiet time of the year, there's so much going on. There's always a lot, right? There's always something going on. Always. And for always me, there's something. a little, there's a little extra going on. So we are. I was. I, I'm coaching my son's uh, little league. It's not really little league. It's Cal Ripken. Whatever. It's they're nine and ten year olds. It's, okay. It's little league. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's little shits, and um, we're actually in first place. We're six and two, and interestingly enough, um, we have scored the second least. So there's six teams in the league. We've scored the second least amount of runs. We don't score a lot of runs, but we've given up ha- almost half as many runs as the next closest team. So we, wow. yeah, so we don't really have like big sticks. We don't have a lot of guys that like hit really well. We, we have a couple guys that are pretty decent hitters. We have one banger and then a couple decent hitters, but we have uh, four very solid starter starting pitchers, which is everything in little league. Um, and then we have two two others that are pretty good. So we don't we're very fortunate that we don't ever really put like just a bum on the mound like every every everyone that we end up pitching is at least can pitch what's what's the uh the innings rule or pitch count rule nowadays yeah so like it's convoluted because it's like depends on how many pitches did you pitch today then you need a certain number of days off so if you pitch like 20 or less then you don't need any days off then it's like from 21 to 35 you need one day off and blah 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 blah. oh wow it's a chart yeah and well, what's nice about the league is the league ha- on the website. You just email or text the the league director, you know who pitched, how many innings they pitched, and then he puts it in a chart, and it just does it automatically. So I don't ever have to think about it, or I, I would totally yeah, be good. fined or kicked out of the league or whatever they do to you. But yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're, like we're yeah we're six and two. We just won the other night, and um, you know we're we're in first place by like a half a game. And uh, we have we have a game Saturday, and then a game on Monday, and then the playoffs start. Wow! And the only two losses we have are to the same team. Now that team has four losses, so I don't know. I'm looking and I'm like, man, is this just like a bad matchup for us? Now that we we played them on back to back days, and both days we didn't have two or three, depending on the day, two or three of our best players because those guys those boys play play on travel ball. So like. On Friday, they'd rather go to travel practice than yeah, to our game. And on Saturday, <laughs> obviously, they're going to go to their game. If it if, if it's a time conflict, they go to their game instead of our game because it's just like wreck, right. wreck baseball. Um, but when we're whole, we're, we haven't lost. So uh, I'm very eager to play the Orioles again. Now, you know, it goes without saying that we certainly have your typical Little Leaguers on our team and <laughs> in 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 many respects my son is one of those so i know exactly uh, what you're saying uh, that's a 
my life just flashed 30 years ago. <laughs> I was just going to ask you. So, like, when you were in Little League, when you played Little League ball, because we talked about Sandlot and how, like, the movie The Sandlot kind of brings you back. Like, even whether you're a good, bad, or indifferent as a Little Leaguer, like, Sandlot brings you back to that time. Like, we all sure. played whether you stunk or were really good. Were you ever on one of those really bad teams or were you ever on one of those really good teams? Yeah, I was on one of the good teams. When I was, uh, I think, eight or nine, we went, I think, 18 and one and won the whole thing. And the team Ooh. we lost, we beat in the championship. So. Oh, nice. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie DeSane was on that team. So that was a lot of fun. Jeremy was on that team. Um, so that team was really good. I was never on a really, really bad team. Oh. But we always had those kids that were playing with the flowers or looking around or eating ice cream or bringing a slushie out to you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's hysterical. But it's, so I if, I go back, if I go back far enough to when I first started, I was actually on both back-to-back years. So my first year in Little League, when I was like, I guess, five or six, whatever it was, we, were, we didn't win a single game. We lost our, my first year at play. We, we lost every single game. It was absolutely oh. brutal. Right, Gilson and his son. That was I still remember the name of our team. We were just so bad. And then next year, our team was very young, so almost the entire team was back together the following year, and we improved so much that we played in the championship game. We lost, but we played in a championship game. That's and it great. was such a big turnaround that the president of the league came into our dugout after. And it, this is how much of an impact it made on me that I remember. Mr. Sargenti, sure. yeah, Mr. Sargenti coming into the dugout after the game and saying, like, I've never seen a team go from being so basically, I don't think he used these words exactly, but like, I've never seen a team yeah. go yeah. from being so bad to so good within one year. So, yeah, we were just god awful. We had someone on our team. So my dad was coaching and um, he liked to do like a father son game at the end of the season and then a barbecue oh, that's cool. pool party barbecue yeah. afterwards. And one of the guys on our team who will, who will remain nameless, uh, because he actually, you'll, you can see him on Fox news sometimes. So I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to call him out. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, wow. Um, I don't even want to say what he does cause how many of his role would be on there. So, um, <laughs> he actually came up to my dad <laughs> when my dad said, we're going to do this. And he goes, um, Mr. Colisano, uh, would it be okay if I just came to the pool party? Like, he didn't even want to play in a father-son game. He he couldn't oh. stand baseball. wasn't for him. And as you can see, because he's on Fox News, he found, you know, he filled that vacuum with something else. Yeah, which is yeah, the way it's yeah. supposed to be. Um, so it's, it's kind of fun for me to do it now with my son. And, you know, it's funny because I did it last year. And we were like... We started the season 0 and 3, 1 and 5, and we actually worked our way all the way back to 500. We beat the we were the only team to beat the undefeated team. Uh, so like we really improved cool. and it was kind of cool, but we weren't good enough to win like the championship. And just yesterday, we played yesterday, we won. I got one kid who just just throws lasers. I mean, he just I felt bad for the other team because like we pitched two guys who were okay. And yeah. then in the 6th inning like they were, only, it was only nine three. Like we don't score a lot of runs, so it was nine three. And they're thinking, hey, maybe we can make a comeback. And I just bring this kid in who throws just like, you know, the equivalent of a hundred and five. And it's just here one, comes Chappie. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how it was. <laughs> and I could just see the coach. He kind of was like, like it's just the shoulders just dropped and it was over. And it was after that game that I'm like, okay, I'm starting to think about. I would really really like to see these kids win a championship like it'd be just be fun yeah. i'd like to see it for them cool, like you know it'd be kind of cool but we certainly so have, let me ask you a question. we certainly have our doozies on the team too oh boy are you uh, are you gonna host the pool party after 
Yeah, I would like to do that. Yeah, because uh, by the yeah. time the season actually ends, like the playoffs are done, it'll it'll be early to mid June. So I, yeah, I think. Yeah, you, yeah, because yeah, we only got like one more week, and then the following week starts the playoffs, and then the week after that is the champion uh, is the second round, and then the week after that is the is the championship. So it'll be kind of. It'll end like second week, so maybe like a week or two later, I'll have the pool party. So it'll be like end of June. It'll be it should be fine to do that. So, Beautiful. yeah, I like doing Beautiful. that because it's a chance. For, the kids don't they don't see them they don't see each other. You know, my son goes to Catholic school. There's two other kids on a team that go to his school. Um, they don't all go to the same place. So it's like when I did it last no, year. It. You know, when I did the pool party last year, it was kind of cool because they got to see themselves off the field, and it was just. It was wild to see. Mayhem. Yeah, it was just yeah. wild to see how it – and it's just parents just all turning their back and like, eh, they'll be all right. No problem. Somebody gets yeah, murdered it, in right? my backyard, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck this weekend, buddy. Yeah, I'm, uh, thank you. Thank you. I'm hoping I'm hoping we do okay. We got almost um, almost a full squad, so we should be okay. Um, spe- sticking with baseball here, there was um, – there's these. There's been rumors about the Oakland A's for quite some time now because for some reason they're a small market team, and now it's really starting to pick up speed that they're considering um, moving to another location. Um, and and I asked you to kind of look into this a little bit. This is Oakland. This is the Bay Area. This is you know one of the most one of the wealthiest you know parts of town in the whole country. And the first thing I I wondered, and that's why I asked you to look into it, like, how how is Oakland a small market team? Like, how how is that how is that a thing? It's ownership. It's it's got to start at the top, right? I mean, the guy they don't want to spend any money. But are they bringing in the money? Like, uh, how do they not have the money to spend? Like, even the San Francisco Giants, who are right across the street, basically. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I have the Giants payroll at 157 million dollars. They won championships in 2010, 12, and 14, and the A's are just under 86 million in the Bay Area, like yeah. you said. But that stadium's a dump. We, you touched on that last week. Every when there was full fans in the stands, it never looks full. I don't even I don't even know how they. It's do, a football stadium. It's a football stadium. It's a football stadium. So I don't even know how they they tape stuff off or they put the tarp on in some spots. I think it always looks dead there. It does. There's no excitement, but they're always pretty decent. Yes. They're always kind of in that wild wild card kind of hunt kind of thing. Um, you know, the, the movie Moneyball made a big deal about spending less. They let go of Giambi. They let go of Ingenhausen, Johnny Damon, and they brought in like it – was, it was based around Scott – I don't love that movie because it's, it's bullshit to me. It's based around Scott Haddenberg or whoever the first baseman was. They left out Miguel Tejada, who won MVP. Eric Chavez was a stud. They made him look like a damn minor leaguer in the yeah. movie. And they, had the best, and they had the best rotation in baseball, for Christ's sake. Yeah. So that movie just gets me fired up. Well, besides the um, fact that they make it look like it was two guys in the front office, you know, it was an entire yeah, team. It yeah, was an entire team. Yeah, analysts. Yeah. I mean, geeks and analysts. I mean, but, you know. It, two, guys I mean, in a, two guys in a janitor's closet working. I mean, give me a break yeah. for Christ's sake. So, Billy Bean's a, a good GM. I wouldn't say for now. He's not, he's not Theo Epstein. I wouldn't even say he's Brian Cashman. And, you know, me and you have our issues with Cashman over the last couple of years. Bean's good, but I think he's very stubborn in a way, too. Like, you're always trying to look for – because last year I think their, their payroll was, was in the 50s, believe it or not. So this year at least they spent a little more money, but they're still not – I know they're, they're, they're a, a scout-heavy, draft-heavy kind of team, but then 
you know, this is going back 20 years. You can't afford to resign these guys, giving them the second, third contract. So that's what they end up walking away on you. And I got to tell you, not many of them have had great careers leaving the A's. I mean, Giambi was good with the Yankees, but he wasn't he wasn't Lou Gehrig by any means. He no. was good. You know, they had some pitchers. You know, Zito went on and played a little better better somewhere else. But Mark he struggled Moore. for a long time, Zito. He did. He no, was he did. mediocre he did. for a long time, too. Yeah. You know, Miguel Tejada was what? He went to the Orioles after the A's, and he was okay. Yeah, he was okay. Like he was so these guys go get their money after playing with the A's. But you're gonna have better. You're gonna have better seasons with the A's, and you're going somewhere else. It seems that way. I mean, Eric Chavez was a backup with the Yankees the one year they went to the playoffs, but it wasn't anything. It wasn't anything special. They, that may also you know, be a bad. function of the competition in that Western Division. You know, when you got California, Texas, Seattle, like they're all yeah, yeah. You know, Stugatz. So that I mean, that may well, have something just, to do with just, it. Angels, Angels had their run for a long time. They were very good with Vlad Guerrero and those kind of guys, and. You know, the Mariners had their run with, with Griffey and then Ichiro and Edgar Martinez, those type of guys. So they were always up there. The Rangers are – I got – the Rangers have been up and down for forever. All right, so you say you yeah. say Billy Bean's an okay general manager. You don't want to give him too much credit. But the, but then the question that, you know, begs to be asked is if he had more payroll, would he would he be more successful? Would he look better? That's a good question. You know, you put I him think, on the Yankees. You see, you, 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 it's hard to put the guy in the same conversation with Cashman or any of these guys well, who have two hundred million dollar payroll. That's a great argument because if you if you traded Cashman for Bean, would they both be successful, or would one take off? And one, like, that's a great that's a great question. And I got to tell you, I don't know. Because I don't know what Billy Bean – Billy Bean's never had a big payroll, and Cashman's never had a small payroll. Yeah, just because so you just get the money to spend doesn't mean you'll spend it well or you'll be right or any of that stuff for sure. Um, well, look at the owner with, Look at the owner now with the Mets, Cohen. This guy's got an, he's got an open wallet. Yeah, great, but you don't want to spend recklessly either at the same time. No, like, no. Because the, the Mets are famous for bad contracts too. So. Yeah, I mean, Boston had money forever, and it took them 100 years to win a World Series, so yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean it. Pops, I, I just I'm looking at it as like I'd rather have the guy who had nothing, who's coming into money, and see what he does with it, as opposed to the guy who always had money, and now I'm going to give now now I'm going to let you be frugal. You know, I would agree I, with that's you. That's tough. That's tough because you know the one thing about money more than anything, you know, if you look at the Yankees, what it affords you. Like people think, well, you're able to get the best players, which is partly true, but you don't get all the best players. I mean, you get some. I mean, of course, what it affords you is the ability to make mistakes. You know what I mean? You can sign, yeah. um, Aaron Hicks. Yeah, like, and, then, uh, and then it was and then Ellerby. Goes down the tree. Not Ellerby. Ellsbury. You can sign Ellsbury from oh. from Boston. And like yeah. nobody gives a shit that he didn't play real like he didn't do shit. Ellsbury, what, I'm, what the fuck was his name? No, you're right. Right, you're yeah. right. Jacoby Ellsbury. Yeah. Right. yeah, like nobody nobody kills Cashman for that. If you but if you if, it, if that was like the St. Louis Cardinals, you'd be in a lot of trouble because it's not that they're cheap, but they don't have the Yankees bankroll. And like that's a massive mistake because he was given a he was yes. given a really big contract. So like it, it affords you the ability to make mistakes. That's that's what it does, especially. For a guy like Cashman, who's been there, is he there twenty five years now? I mean, how long's he been there? Yeah, he's got he's got it. What's it? Yeah, he's got to be. Yeah, you, you're afforded wow. the ability to make yeah. mistakes, so that's where um what's what's what the money really does for you, at least from a GM standpoint. Hey, here I'm going to give you four names that have been bantied about with with Oakland. Unless you have anything to add to that, I don't want to I don't want to cut you off. Uh, no, I was just going to add like you know like just what we were saying. Everybody spends bad money. 
Yeah. You know, I just I, I don't, everyone has done it. I mean, the, the Angels let go of Albert Pujols now, the ten year deal. I mean, I mean, again, the 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 contract wasn't that bad probably in the first five years, but it gets it gets stupid at the end. Yeah, and then you had a rod, you're stuck, and then you're screwed, dude. You're I was so you talk about bad contracts, like the Yankees are stuck with Stanton for what, like six more years? Yeah, I think six more six years, yeah. years, dude. The guy can't stay in the field. Now, listen, when he's on the field, he's productive. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But he's just not always on the field. He's on the injured injured reserve list again, like. You know, so you know, and I've said this a million times with football player. This is just humans. This is not about athletes. Like once you start getting banged up, you don't you don't unbang up. Like once you start getting banged up, like it's going to happen more and more. It's not going to happen less and less. Yeah, there's not a lot of Frank Gore's out there that get hurt in college, your whole college career, and then you play 16 years in yeah. the NFL at running back. But see, his injury That's... was one injury. It was severe. You know, he rehabbed it and done. Stanton, it's just like these constant 10, 15 day DL stints, 25 day, D, you know, it's it's these constant like nagging injuries. That's what I mean. Like, you know, listen, if you get Tommy John surgery, you get to, like, you know, that's different. Those are hardcore. Right. Actually, right. the funny thing is right. you come back from those pretty okay. It's these constant nagging injuries that I'm more concerned about when it comes to a contract because those are the ones that continue to pop up, you know. And, and you know, he, Stan gets a little bit of an unfair kind of bashing because when he does play he's productive but you hear people say he doesn't do shit that that's that's absolutely not true when he plays he does but it does get frustrating from a fan's perspective like when a guy who starts to be productive and then he's just unavailable for two three weeks i think i, I think that's it i think it's the frustration of the yeah. fans that because you just you just don't see him for long stretches at a time so you don't think he does anything and yes that's, well because for those stretches he's not <laughs> you know yeah. Well, yeah. But then I mean, that and, gets and then mixed watch- in with his actual on-field production, which that's the part that's unfair and untrue. But it's just hard. It's hard to fall in love with a guy that you know is away on business for forty-five days sometimes. Like yeah. it's just hard, you know, as opposed to the guy who is there every day. So and especially especially with a team. Well, especially with a team that needs him. Like he carried the Yankees two yes. weeks for those two weeks. Yes. And, and, and we needed every minute of it. But now, like. Yeah. A no hitter last night, and it's a two nothing game, and you're worried about it's a guy gets on base. Uh, the game could be tied in a minute. Yeah. Because you're not scoring any runs, man. Like. Okay, so let's finish this Oakland thing. Four cities that I saw, four places that I saw, cities that I saw that they they could go to. I only see one to me that really truly makes sense. Um, but I'll give you the four. It's uh, Portland, Las Vegas. Las Vegas is just mentioned in every in every single p- potential move. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte. And Nashville. Yeah. Those are four out of my mind, too. Yeah. So which one do you think is the best fit? Well. Like, it's Portland's funny about closest, Las Vegas because obviously. I know I know it's like sports gambling and it's like a hot town and all kinds of stuff. But baseball is not football. Baseball is not, like, exciting. Not even hockey it's anymore. Drawing. Like, hockey yeah. in Vegas is sick. I, I don't heard. know. And plus, it's hot as Hades in the summer. I don't know that you want to be playing get, baseball well, yeah, at 107. Well, you got to. You gotta put a dome on it. That's the only way that's gonna happen. Like of course. In Texas and Miami. Um, uh, Portland, Portland. I, I've never been there. I've heard great things. Great sports town. Um, uh, besides, the besides the fact that you know Black Lives Matter is burning the place down, it's a great place, too. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's gonna be there. So Antifa but, has their demilitarized zone, but other than that, it's a really I, great place. I, I think Nashville is a fantastic spot, but then you're gonna you're gonna have to you're gonna have to rearrange the whole damn 
league now at that point, right? I well, mean, I mean they've done that before. I don't, I don't, I don't see that as a big deal. So the two that the two that stood out to me are Charlotte and Nashville because I think those are like two uh, emerging markets with sports. I wouldn't have said that about Charlotte 15, 20 years 10 ago. Years ago. Yeah. yeah, but because of Carolina Panthers and you know Hornets. The Hornets, it's becoming more of a – it used to be only a basketball area. North Carolina in general was kind of just basketball. College hoops, right, right. Yeah, but because of Carolina Panthers, it's becoming more of an all-sports kind of thing, and I can see it there. But I actually think Nashville is probably the best fit. Um, I think Nashville – so this is going to get a little political, but I'm not trying to like be political with it. Nashville, uh, Tennessee in general is a very uh, conservative state, and they're they one of Tennessee is one of the first to kind of like open up businesses. They're it's very pro market, and they love their sports. That's SEC country, okay. And um, I think I feel like Tennessee and Nashville more than maybe more than any part of Tennessee is really like it's an area that's waiting to just take off. Like it's been right. a growing, a slowly growing area. And I think now it's – I think it's really like an area that potentially could take off. And I, I think a baseball you. team that plays 82 games uh, – baseball comes across very southern because, you know, the south doesn't mind things being a little slower, taking their time, no rush. Well, Bull Durham minor league thing, and yeah, then you think that. Like, fits. So yeah. you, put a, you put an emerging team in an emerging market, and I think that could be very, very interesting – um, but you, you make a good point that that would that would have they'd have to shift, you know, divisions and all that kind of stuff. I, I guess you know you don't have to do it at off first. The, off the top, off the top of my head, I don't even know what you would do because there's not that many West Coast teams to start with. But well, listen, for years, I mean, for years the Atlanta Braves were part of the Western Division in, in a National League. Like this, you were just a kid. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah I, would, yeah. I don't remember that at all. So because they were the Milwaukee Braves, so when they moved to well, Atlanta, I remember- they just stayed in the West. The one I remember in football was the Phoenix Cardinals in the NFC East for a long time. Right. See why? Because they were the St. Louis Cardinals, and right. So you can yeah. you yeah. can put them in you can put them in Nashville, and and keep it as a western. I mean, Texas isn't that much west of Nashville. It is no, but no, not that much. You're right. You know, you're it's right. not like it's all California teams and Nashville. So you know, there's a way to do it, and they could do it. And I think that's a, that'd be a great fit. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. I just think that's an interesting story because I don't. I, I just. I, I can't understand for life me why why a Bay Area team is a small market team. While I mean, literally right across the street, right across the bay, San Francisco is not a small market team. If they put a championship team, quality potential team on a field, you know, like you said, ten years. So it's it's really something else. Hey, listen, I, I don't know if you know, but we actually got some pretty exciting things going on here. Um, we have an interview lined up next week, and barring any emergencies or, you know, electrical outages or whatever, Scott, have you heard of this uh, sports channel called ESPN? I have. You've heard of ESPN? Yes, sir. Yeah. So we have um, a guest coming on next week from ESPN Radio down here in South Jersey, 97.3 ESPN Radio, joining us. This is the kind of show that we're growing into right where espn is partnering with bump and run to put on beautiful a prime show so um if you're listening and and we're glad that you are you definitely want to tune in next week 
and share it with everyone you know. We ask that you share it anyway. Share every episode. If you like it, please share it. But next week, we have um, Josh Hennig of ESPN Radio down here in South Jersey. I'm super excited about that. Josh is going to talk. We're going to talk some Philly sports, some Philly area sports. But we're also going to get into, he specifically said, if you want to talk any UFC uh, he's he loves talking UFC, and I actually would love to. I wish you could have come on this week because this past weekend there was a huge fight between Charles Oliveira and um, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on who he fought. It was a great card, and it's it, it signifies to me why I've really fallen in love with the UFC and fallen out of love with boxing. Like the biggest event uh, of the year for boxing this year is going to be a YouTube star against a retired you know oh god fighter and we just had a card wow. in the UFC with an with a full stadium a full arena knockouts galore upsets all over the place uh it's just such a better product Dana White on top of it is a friggin' genius uh he brought full stadiums yeah. he was the first one if there was the first sporting event when covid came around the first sporting event an organization said we're putting on a show it was the UFC, and it was a success right away. And it was because of the UFC that other leagues decided, hey, we, we can play yeah. in front of no fans. There was concern, like, you can't do that. It's a boring product. And because of Dana White and the UFC, they saw you can do that. You can do that, and people and watch. Think, They're begging for it. And just think of the sport. You're, you're bloody, sweaty, spitting on another human being, and they went on with the show. But golf couldn't go on, and no, and no, no, no COVID issues, right? And golf no outdoors COVID. couldn't go on. But it's a myth. But it was By Dana, right? But it was Dana White and UFC who led the way and said, "We can do this, and let's do this." And then yep. other uh, every, even the NFL, even the NFL had to take their cues from the UFC. And I just see an organization who's skyrocketing, who's taking off, and boxing, yeah. you know, is just taking a dip. So we'll be able to talk. Uh, some UFC, which I love. We don't get to talk about it a lot on here um, because it's still not big enough that people think about it all the time. But this past weekend, there was a huge event. I absolutely loved it. I don't, you know, I don't get, to, I don't stay up late much anymore. But for this one, I couldn't help it. And I'll give you, I'll give you this, the simplest way of looking at how things have changed for me. If there's a boxing event on, I can't help but fall asleep. I, like it's just, especially with the preliminary, the preliminary fights are boring as shit. I can't help but fall asleep. With UFC fights, I can't fall asleep. Like, even after the fights are over, like, I need, like, a good half hour, 45 minutes to just kind of, like, settle down because yeah. they were so <laughs> exciting. I know there's just something about watching a guy get choked to death that, you know, kind of jazzes you up a little bit. You know what I mean? Well, I was really, I was really tuned in by my buddy Tommy a couple weeks ago when, like, their legs snapped all over the place. Yeah, Like, three broken legs. Dude. That that is a prime example. If you want to calm down after fights, oh my and god! You're like, you're I had to jump like... off the couch because uh, this past one, a guy broke his upper arm. He got caught, oh. and it just and you just watch this. You just see dunk like, and you're just like, oh my god! Like you, you uh, and I had I jumped up and I turned, I, and you saw Daniel Cormier <laughs> who was announcing a fight. He took he took his he took his ear his earphones off because because you heard you just heard. You heard it actually freaking pop. Uh, God, it was so nasty. Meanwhile, the guy, his arm gets broken, and he's just sitting there like this. Like, no reaction, no nothing. He wasn't yeah, screaming. He's, he's, 
he's just he's standing more there. If he can't fight anymore, then like the pain of the, the injury. Oh my god, yeah, those Dude, guys. I just I love the UFC. They put on a great show, and and unlike boxing, also um, favorites win like sixty percent of the time. It, there's so often are upsets. Uh, it's just it's just what makes it great, and you're just seeing this, you're starting to see more and more stars in UFC, and I just think it's a better product. So we'll talk to Josh about that, absolutely. But yeah, we're we're moving and shaking. We're, we're we're really getting more and more listeners every week, more and more viewers every week. People subscribing to the YouTube channel, being our clips. Um, you definitely want to jump in on that because it. we're we're making some things happen. So um, we're gonna start a new series. It's gonna last what eight weeks? I guess you said. Eight weeks. We're going to break down each division in the NFL. We're going to take into consideration the offseason that they had. Um, obviously, we'll consider what they did last year. But their offseason, their draft, any moves that they made, coaching changes, that kind of stuff. Um, and then their schedule also. And then we'll kind of, you know, kind of make a prediction of how the division will, 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 come, will come down. And this week, we're doing an NFC East. And... Um, this is what this was basically the worst division in football last year. Oh, and God. but what's interesting about that is that just because by record it was the worst division, it was also still one of the most interesting divisions because it was one of, you know because no, no team had a, a an above five hundred record. Although I wouldn't expect that again this year. Every week mattered last year. It really, you don't know who was going to lose. Oh my God, you're like, absolutely yeah. right. It, it was one of the few that really came down to the last weekend. So why don't we start? Um, let's start with the Eagles. I'll let you start. What are you? What are your thoughts on what they did in the offseason, and what do you see? What do you think about this coming well, season? Well, you know, we, we talked about this leading into the draft, all the draft talk with um, the front office being a bunch of douchebags. So what they did to Doug Peterson and got rid of – they got a whole new staff coming in. They have the easiest schedule in the league, obviously being a horrible team. We'll see if that they actually play, holds up because that never – that well, never yeah. ends up well, right, standing to be right, true, but right, 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 right now we only could go by what they give us. So they play the NFC West. The NFC East plays the NFC South and the AFC West, which are pretty tough divisions. So I don't know how the hell their their schedules that I easy. Know. To be honest with you, um, I guess it's just playing every last place team in the NFC, which is probably not great. So they have these schedule in the league going in. Wentz is gone. Jalen Hurts is in. But Jalen Hurts just said yesterday, a matter of fact, he's not afraid of competition. Yeah. And we've talked. I love this kid. Oh, I, I want this kid to be good thing. so bad. I just don't know if it's going to happen. But uh, I love his attitude. Listen, so if, if anything if anything gets messy there, he's not going to fold. It's he's so funny. You, to the end, it's so funny you say that, dude, because I saw the same thing. And I'm like, God, I just love this kid. And I really I want him to do well. Because you just – it's so funny because we're sitting here saying we love this kid. He's not afraid of competition, and at the, at the same time, out in Green Bay, we got a we got a, a little bitch of a quarterback who makes thirty nine million dollars who's upset that they drafted a quarterback. Like, what are you worried about? You're the goddamn league MVP, Aaron Rodgers, and you're worried about jo- Jordan Love. Meanwhile, here's Jalen Hurts, who's like, "Bring it on, let's do this." And I'm like, "Good for you, dude! Like, what a great attitude! Can't you be like that?" Can Aaron Aaron Rodgers be like that? Like, come on, man! Don't be so soft. Take some notes. Take some notes, bro. Seriously. Hey, who's so, the guy they just hired as their coach? Who Philly or the yeah, uh, Eagles? The guy from the Colts, right? The uh, the FedEx guy? No, that's Arthur Smith. He no, went that, to Atlanta. Arthur Smith. I'm he went to Atlanta. Who's... He had a rough. Char- 
it was yeah. A, what the hell? It, he he had a rough <laughs> he had a rough opening um, opening press conference. He was kind of oh yeah the, the guys. Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni had a rough opening opening um, press conference, and then he tried to make up with it with like extra personality by talking about playing rock paper scissors (laughs) with your fucking with with the guys that you're scouting. It's like Nick, just be yourself, dude. Like it just was. He went from like not knowing what to say to like almost saying too much. I don't have a problem with him saying, or I'm not. I don't have a problem with him doing that. Like playing rock paper scissors. This is weird times, man. So like somebody cut the mic on this. Guy. Yeah, like bro, just too much. You just you went from saying not enough to saying too much. Um, so he scares yeah. me a little. Yeah. I agree with you. That scares yeah, me a little. Um, listen, they 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 drafted Devonta Smith, who you could say what you want about his size. He's explosive as shit. Like he's Deshaun Jackson, yeah. which. Sean Jackson, it was just is a touchdown making machine, right? You just want to hope he stays. And you know they just signed Kerrigan. Yes, I did see that. Eagles just signed Kerrigan. So, like, you know, there's this kind of narrative that because the Eagles were so bad last year, they're 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 starting off the and they got rid of Wentz and they take such a massive cap hit that they're going to be bad this year. I'm not a hundred percent certain that's true. You know, they had a lot of injuries. Uh, on the offensive line, which was a mass, massive problem. They had nobody to throw to, massive problem because of injuries also, and kind of draft picks that didn't pan out. I well, think- Jail, I was, they got they drafted Jalen Rager last year, who was, mm-hmm. a, who was a, I wouldn't say a nightmare. I, got, I just never had a chance to really do anything with the mess that they had at the line and at the quarterback position. Um, they're, they're, Miles Sanders is a pretty good running back. I, they got something to start with there. If I, They didn't do anything with Ertz, so it looks like Ertz is sticking around, at least for now. Well, I don't uh, know Dallas if he's going to be here. I, I think he'll be gone by the well, time of the season. But Goddard is good. They, the tight end Goddard's is not good, a problem. Right. This their is what I'm trying to say. Their offensive line is a little old, and this is a concern. But but if their offensive line is intact, I don't know that this is as bad a team as people think. And the other thing is, you know, with their they've had some serious wide receiver issues. But Nick Sirianni, before he was a before he was an offensive coordinator, I think that was with the Colts. Um, he was a wide receivers coach. So I yeah. think as ownership and Howie Roseman and Lurie and all these guys, I think you got to be hoping that his expertise with wide receivers, you can at least make these guys a little more serviceable, Rieger and some of these guys. Um, I don't know that they're as bad. I don't know that they're as bad a team as they kind of ended the season. Does that make sense? It does. You know. You know what I mean. But there's a. I know. Because their defense, their defense was a not a problem. Marks. Okay, so your two biggest question marks are like the two most important things I, that there are in football. Yeah, yeah. You're not sure about Jalen Hurts, and, and you're your not, and you're not sure about rock paper scissors Sirianni. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, um, this is this is this, no, but, but you pretty said, big concerns. You, you, you mentioned their defense. Their defensive line is is great. It's stout. It's always good up there. But they're they're in their mid thirties now. A lot of those guys. There's that and, and Kerrigan's their, probably Kerrigan's and their defensive backfield is bad. Is bad. Yeah. So, but they again, give but up the a division points. But the division's not. It's not great, but it's improving. You think? And, they, and you think the Cowboys going to put up some points, and the Giants are going to put up some points? You I would see. think. So here's the so, problem with the Eagles, and I'm gonna I'm gonna totally go against everything I just said. Like where I just all right. <laughs> I just told you that they're not as bad as you think, <laughs> and it's a it's a funky division. 
they start the season off against the Falcons, 49ers, Cowboys, Chiefs. Uh, they might be favored in one of those games. They might be favored against the Falcons. Like other than that, where's where's the game? I think that one's at home. I, I don't I don't have that in front of me. I, I didn't mark whether it was home or away. Um, but they might. So there's a really good chance they start off like zero and four, one and three, and yeah. it's difficult to come back from. And, and the wheels can fall off fast, especially with a new staff. And if they don't buy in, forget it. It could be ugly early. Yeah, I might have some guys on the sidelines playing uh, tiddly winks. Uh, you know, uh, rock paper scissors, jacks, <laughs> rock paper scissors. Um, so, all right. So, what about the Giants? They made some interesting moves in the offseason. Kenny Galladay, obviously the biggest splash that they made. They had kind of an interesting draft. Uh, we talked about the Giants with Michael Cohen on this show. Would have liked to have seen them draft an offensive lineman or two, like to really shore up that line behind Daniel Jones. It seems like that's kind of like the. The, the most obvious glaring deficiency that they have, and I don't feel like they addressed it enough. But they did they did draft Kadarius Toney. They did draft a guy who we like, uh, Ojolari from Georgia, pass rusher, who I think could really be a difference maker. Again, it comes down to I mean this is just a, this is just the nature of the beast in this league. They will be a good team or not based on Daniel Jones. And 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 what's most interesting about that. For, for this year specifically is that this is how you know they're you'll know by the end of this year whether they're keeping Daniel Jones or they're moving off of him because this is a relatively complete team like other than offensive line which you know is, is something that does concern me although I don't give a shit because they're the Giants um, they should do pretty well by the end of the season last year their defense was pretty strong um, you need to know if Daniel Jones is, is a quarterback in this league and that's you know all things considered you have you know weapons out the ass uh, you know between wide receivers Abs- running backs absolutely. tight ends i mean you can't ends, complain yeah. about wide yep. receiver you can't complain about weapons anymore um their defense is solid if not very good it comes down to your quarterback he did he did turn the ball you know his biggest problem last year was turning the ball over which is a friggin massive problem right like you can't turn the ball over whether it be interceptions or fumbles you can't do that uh but but it'll come down to whether or not he's a he's a player or not, and I, I don't have an answer for that right now. I like the kid. Uh, there's the, he he shows signs of like really being a, a pretty special player, and then he shows signs of like just kind of being average. So, first thing I have written down for the Giants is big year for Jones, and I'm gonna have the same thing when we do the Broncos for Locke, because I, I think they are so goddamn comparable this year. It's not even funny. It's very similar. Um, I have mediocre O-line. They have a ton of weapons on O. Their defense is very good. They have a very yeah. good defensive coordinator. I think they got better on the defensive side. They have another corner, Dory Jackson they signed, which can move guys around now. You got Logan Ryan. You got um, something Berry, whatever. He had a great year last year. I can't think of his name. Off and I head. think we're all pretty comfortable uh, and confident with Joe Judge as well, don't you think? Like I, I think agree. most people I, yeah, he, Look he at Joe Judge as a legitimate head coach. I agree. I definitely agree with that. Uh, they have three primetime games, which is pretty good for mm. the Giants. They haven't been in the spotlight that much. Which is last, amazing last considering they didn't even make the playoffs last year, right? Yeah. That's, that's I know. saying something. That tells you that the league, the league itself kind of holds them in some regard also. For sure. Because they have control well, of that. Plus, if they didn't think you were a good team. 
and you get the New York market, which is obviously a big thing. So, so if they see if they see slight improvement, they're going to jump on that. You yeah. know, any chance they can get. Yeah. I mean, obviously, but yeah, I'm a big fan of Judge. Um, uh, their whole coaching staff is pretty much intact, which helps defensive and offside, offensive side of the ball, which Garrett and those guys will help Jones hopefully. Uh, and if not, maybe Jones is gone or they're gone. They're both gone after this year because because. Because I think those weapons are still going to be there the year after. Yeah. So, you, you know, it's it's one of those things where we should have got off the pot now. Hey, do they open with the Broncos? They do at home. Okay, yes, so sir. so I'm looking at their schedule. Broncos at home at Washington. Falcons at home at Saints at Cowboys. I think there's a really good chance that they start off three and two. Like they should I expect would, to start off three and two. If, I was going to. If they don't, they should be pissed off at that. It's a disappointment, right? Like, I would think yeah. that's a disappointment. And this matters because, like, you know, we're talking about the Eagles. I don't know that the Eagles are that much different than the Giants, frankly. Um, some of the same concerns with offensive line, same questions at quarterback, uh, similar defenses as far as, like, capability. Um, but but the Eagles have a really good chance of starting off 1-4, and 1-5, and five, and you're not coming back from that and making the playoffs as opposed to starting off 3-2, and 4-1. and one, Like, that's it's a big well, difference, right? What a difference. I was, was going to say. just about confidence. I was going to add to that. Oh, 100. It's night and day. I was going to add to that. You know, a lot of – in our brains over the last 10, 15 years, you got the Saints down as probably a loss. We have no idea what the Saints are going to look like anymore. Yeah, I'm looking at the Saints and I'm saying you should well, beat them. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. People I think look, they, ju- they just got $300,000 under the salary cap because they, had a, they, they ended up making so many cuts and, and moving so many people because they were so far over the cap. Like and you're talking maybe Jameis Winston at quarterback. Like this is not the same team. Do not do not expect this to be the same yeah. team. I'm thinking this is a team that most teams should look at as a win. Like you should you should plan on beating them. And I think if you're the Cowboys, I, I mean if you're the uh, the Giants, and you're playing the Saints, and what did I say? It's at the Saints, but still, like I just think you should look at that as a game that we should go into that expecting to win, like planning to win. I mean I know you plan to win any yeah. every game, but I'm just saying like. If Drew Brees is there, if that's last year, the Giants aren't expecting a win there. I know. Well, I'll say Giants fans aren't expecting a win. Giants fans should expect a win over the over the Saints. And if you can't beat the Saints with Jameis Winston or um, Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill, you're not a playoff yeah. team. Like you're just you're no. not a playoff team. I agree. So that's my take. On I the wish Giants. I could disagree with you and argue with you, but it's it's it's. It's a fact. To yeah, me. I know. Like, I just I just to... hear people talking about the Saints, like, oh, they're you know they're one of the better teams in their division. Are they? Are you sure about that? Yeah. You don't even know who their starting quarterback is right now. You really don't know who their starting quarterback is, and you're going to tell me they're one of the better teams? That's utterly absurd. Listen, the shit that Michael Thomas pulled last year, is he going to be doing this yeah. again? Now he, he doesn't have Drew Brees there. Is he going to be more of a pain in the ass? And then uh, Alvin Kamara's got a ton of ton of carries and, and hits on him already. Three, Absolutely. four years in the league. And, and they're it, probably going to be leaning on him even ass. more. Yeah. Now, now you're going to lean right. on him even so, more. I don't know, man. Yeah, I agree. The Saints are a lot more winnable than people think. Yeah, so I'm looking at this giant schedule, and I'm saying, man, you you should aspire to at least three and two. I mean, you should look at the Broncos at home and say that should be a win. That sh- yeah. you should think yeah. of you that should look at a win. Yeah. And you could say at Washington, maybe that's a tough game, maybe that's a toss up or a loss. You could you know if you want to mark it as a loss for us, they're not going to look at it that way. Falcons at home should be a win. At the Saints should be a win. At the Cowboys, maybe that's a toss up. So your two toss up games are at Washington, at Cowboys. Yeah, your division games. And then yeah. Saints, Falcons, and Broncos, you should win. Like, you should be at least 3-2 and two, or 4-1. and one. Like, you really – just going by what we see in the schedule, you should be 3-2, 4-1. Yeah, 
do you have a do you have a prediction for them for the year? And, and well, I'll finish too, up with a, that. We'll we'll go with. Okay, um, okay. We'll, I'll give you my uh, or finishing order at the end. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yes. the, ne the next team I got here is uh, the Washington football team, formerly the Redskins, that you can't say Redskins anymore, even though I just said Redskins, Washington football team. This is like. This is one of those weird teams because they won a division at what seven and nine last year. Seven and nine. You literally cut your starting quarterback like midway through the season, which seven means you didn't nine. have a starting quarterback. By the way, seven and nine, and then week seventeen, the Eagles tank to get them in the playoff. Remember that right. whole thing? That was a weird ass situation. And, and with Tyler Heineke or Taylor Heineke, I don't even know what the hell the guy's poor guy's name is. Heineke. You had what eventually would be the Super Bowl champs, like. You were, you were neck and neck with Super Bowl champs. Neck and neck. Absolutely. Right? Like, you, with yeah. Taylor Heineke, you could have beat them. You know? And he earned some, like, stripes and love. Um, they added Fitzpatrick. They add Curtis Samuel, who you know I, I like a lot, even though he's a, he's a Buckeye. Boy, I love a fan. I like oh, him a lot. I, I love explosive players. I just love explosive players, and I think he's an explosive player. They needed offense, and they got offense. And I think what's interesting, I feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick is getting just – um, he's kind of getting like blown off. Let's be real here for a second. If he stays the Miami Dolphins quarterback last year, they make the playoffs. Okay. He also took the Jets to the playoffs. He also took the Houston Texans to the playoffs. Um, and I'm missing somebody else that I forgot about already that he took to the playoffs because he's been on like 15 different teams. He didn't take Buffalo to the playoffs, right? I don't think so because they didn't go to playoffs for like 150 years. So it was something it was a very long time. Um but I just think so, he's underrated as a quarterback. I know he had he gets in these stretches and streaks where he throws like 17 straight interceptions. But he didn't do that last year with Miami. Um and now you're putting him on a very similar no, team, didn't. a very defensive, you know, oriented team with a very defensive oriented coach. He's a little older and wiser. I think that's a major upgrade when you add a Curtis Samuel in there, like I think they really did upgrade their offense. It's an upgrade, but obviously only a short-term upgrade. Of course. And, go, and, go and I don't forward. think they're a championship team. I think they have a championship defense, but I don't think they're a championship team. No. I, th I think they're possibly a playoff team again. Yeah. But again, but looking into the future, is Heineke the answer? They didn't draft a quarterback. They have a great young defense. Oof. But listen. Like Chase Young is only going to be better happen. this year. He's not going to be worse. He's going to be better this year. Oh, yeah, I know. It's insane. It's insane. So, and they drafted, I think, a linebacker in the first round, too. So that's going to help them. Like, let him roam around and, yeah. like, let the defense line do their work. And you got a legitimate uh, head coach. Yeah, you got a really good Robert head coach. Ray, yeah, he's been to a Super Bowl. He knows what he's doing. You got he's a grown up. He knows, he knows what's going on. It's the best It's uh, the best defense in a division. Um, and and they, they added in areas that they needed to add, you know? What's their running game look like? Is, it's, it's okay. Not great. I know they, they have it's a couple okay, guys by committee. It's okay because they force it. Like Ron Rivera wants to run the ball, so they're going to run the ball. Yeah. And they do have an underrated offensive line. It's not a te it's not a bad offensive line. It's not great. They beat you up it's late physical. in the game. They beat you up because that's what. Yeah, that's yes. what they run it. That, yeah. If the if the game's close, they could close it out because they could run. The they're going to make you play physical for four quarters. I mean, just listen. All you got to do is look at Carolina for the last decade. You know, before last year, and you'll see what right. you're, you're looking at. You're going to look at a physical team that plays really good defense. They never, they'll never get blown out. They'll always be in the game, and that's why I say, like a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, he he may be a little underrated in this spot because 
you know, sometimes at the end of a game when you're down by five, you need a little bit of a gunslinger. You know what I mean? You don't need sure. you don't need a guy who's going to run for 15 out. yards. Yeah, yeah, you're going to need a guy who's going to take some chances. Sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not, but you're losing. So you need to take risks. And he's yeah. shown he's pretty he's good late in games, and he's not afraid, yeah. you know? And, you know, I don't think he's great, but I think he's better than people think. And I think his age and, you know, uh, we'll say experience now – I just look at him last year. I think Miami was a very similar team, and they were they were they were they would have been a playoff team if, if he didn't get you know if they didn't want to see what oh, two was capable. One hundred percent. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I think they're close. And then I look at their schedule. Listen, you start off the season against the Chargers, who have a new coach. Now I like the Chargers, and I love um, uh, what's his face, the quarterback. Um, oh my God, Herbert! I love Justin Herbert, Herbert. a lot. Like I yeah. really like him a lot. But he got a new coach. Herbert's got a new offense coordinator. You have no idea what that's going to look like, and you're not going to be facing any live bullets until you play the best defense, you know, possibly the best defense in a whole goddamn NFL. Like, if I want to, if I have to play against Justin Herbert, I want it to be in the first game of the season. Like, you know, with with if I'm Washington yeah, let, with my defense, let my, let my guys eat a little bit. Yeah, looks healthy. Yeah, I don't want to play yeah. him later in the season once he's gotten some experience in his new offense. Like, I want to get yeah. him in the beginning yeah. of the season. So I. And then the Giants, and then at the Bills, those those are two tough games. Um, but then you got the Falcons and the Saints, and I think I think there's a really good chance that they're favored in four out of those five games. Like they're going to be favored against at home against yeah. the Chargers. They're going to be favored against the Giants. They're going to be dogs against the Bills, but they're going to be favored against the Falcons. They're going to be favored against the Saints because that Saints game is at home. Like they're going to be favored wow. in four out of five yeah. games, and there's a really good chance you start four and one. So now it does get. It does get more difficult after after that. Then they go Chiefs, Packers, Broncos, Bucks. Like it does get it does um, get difficult. But that's even more reason to get off to a good start. Like when you see when you look at your schedule, you're like shit. After these first five games, we got a tough stretch. We better get these wins. Yeah, it's not just early season games. It's like these games we need these for the division. So, um, you know, the schedule plays to their favor a little bit. You know, so. And then we got the Dallas Cowboys, of course. Um, you know, their big moves are that they signed Dak, which is which is a huge sta- move. It's stabilizing. I'll say it's stabilizing. Ooh. It doesn't change anything. Like, but it's stabilizing. Like that's that it's that cloud isn't oh. hanging over anybody's head anymore. Well, that that's for sure, but there's you know, you, you can't and you're a big money guy, you can't forget about the money they paid him. Right. Now he doesn't cost that much in the first year. I think it's only like twenty two 25 so it's it's not yeah. the big nut that it's gonna be yeah, but still it's, it's a yeah. it's a lot and the other side of it is he's still Dak the reality is two years ago they were eight and eight and last year they were one and they would have you know they were about to be one and four before he got bailed out by Andy Dalton against the Giants and the only game that they did win was like a miracle win against Atlanta where they were down 29 to 10 and they came back and won and I heard an interest some interesting statistics 80 percent of his passing yards are when the when Dallas is losing, and 46 percent of them are when they're down by more than two touchdowns. Like so, like you can you can say, well, oh, he puts up monster numbers, but he's always doing it once they're already down by three scores. And the reality is, two years ago they were eight and eight, and last year they were one and they were one and three, and about to be one and four. They're 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 seven and eleven in his last eighteen games, and that hasn't changed. Like I don't see what's any different. Like he's still him. Now. 
can you blame the slow starts on him or the slow starts of the defense is put him in a hole? Like, there's a lot going on with the Cowboys. It is. It, I their defense sucked. Okay, it's but bad. but that's part, now you're you're being paid like a superstar. You're being paid like a franchise carrying quarterback, and you can't carry it's that franchise. True. That's that's the problem. See, like. What do you see with you know, or you know, with Tom Brady, or what do you see with um, Russell Wilson, or what do you see with like uh, Josh Allen? Your team is getting run off the field early because like whatever the other team's got a great game plan, they're just hot. You need to match score for score. It, you can't wait until you're down 35-14 and say, oh well, we're gonna turn on now, dude. The fucking game's over. Like nobody, it, those those are garbage points. It doesn't matter. You know, yeah, they came back against. Atlanta and one. That's the worst. That's the like the first, the fourth worst passing defense in the history of the NFL. I don't know if you know that. The Atlanta Falcons last year was a fourth worst. And what did they do? The Cowboys brought in Dan Quinn from that fourth worst passing defense in history, and they brought in two of their safeties, which is part of the worst passing defense in history. So, and that's the uh, that was the other big move of the off season. Well, oh, we got Dan Quinn defense. now. <laughs> you got Dan yeah. Quinn now. Five years. It was epically bad defense. Oh, you mean the defense that was beating Tom Brady and the and the Patriots twenty eight to three and lost? Like, is that the defense you're talking about? Like, come on. This is like historically bad defense there. And so, and now you're paying your quarterback forty million and what? You're gonna have a good defense? Come on, man. A bunch a bunch of us went out to dinner the other night, and Marissa's dad was there, who's a gigantic Cowboys fan, and he's worried about. You know, McCarthy, you know, obviously, I don't know if he's the guy. But he was so excited that Dan Quinn. I don't get it. He goes, listen, he goes, we have we have a coach that can replace him if they fire McCarthy. And I'm going, what? But you got fired. He got fired from the Falcons for a reason. Like, he goes, yeah, but he's proven he went to Super Bowl. And I'm like. He didn't go to the Super, Super Bowl. Like, it wasn't, he wasn't the head Matt coach. Ryan. And that defense in Seattle was loaded. No, 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 no. He went to I mean, Super Bowl. Oh, you said with Atlanta. I get it, but it wasn't because yeah, of their yeah, friggin' yeah. defense. It was because their offense no, was explosive as shit. That's what, I, that's what I told him. But he, dude, he's, I, I tease uh, him all the time. He's the I don't most get positive it. fan ever. So no, I, but I, I do. He, he's not the only play. one. I hear this no, from it's whether it's Dallas fans, but I hear, I hear it from you know the, the sports talk radio and sports talk TV. Oh, Dan Quinn's there now. You're gonna have to show me why that matters. It's the same goddamn personnel. Now, they did draft. They did oh, make a great yeah. move and get Micah Parsons, and I love Micah Parsons. But in the end, he's a middle linebacker. Like, this is, right. you know, um, I he's think he's – not a pass he's not a corner. No, which is was their big is their biggest problems. And um, while he may make some difference, you know, I'm sorry, but in a league well, – in a passing league where quarterbacks matter and the passing game matters – the, your middle linebacker isn't going to be your biggest difference maker. He's just not. Right. Especially, and, and, oh, and by the way, he's a rookie. Slow down. But he'll make a difference, he'll make a difference if he stays on the field. Van Der Esch and, and Lee couldn't stay on the field. Correct. And Lee's so, gone. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, Lee's, Lee's retired. He'll probably be coaching on that team at some point, probably. But So the other thing is they're relying uh, so heavily on players that are coming off like pretty significant injuries. And this, again, well, that's uh, we're ringing the same exactly. bell here. Say, like you're, you're, we're we're talking about, oh, they got one of the best offensive line, but that, that offensive line hasn't been great in a couple of years now. They've been kind of average to below average because they're in, they're banged up all the time. Well, you've been a point with what with Dak still Dak. Dak still Dak if he's fully healed. No one, no one even knows what he's going to look but like. Even if he back. is, like even if he is, well, no, that's what I'm like, saying. It's a question. It's a question. I agree with you. Uh, the, the the weapons are loaded all over the place. Like you said, you, the, the offensive line hasn't been the same. 
But I think the last five or six games last year, they kind of figured it out a little bit. Did they? Uh, or was the, it their the opponents? Is, no, whatever it is, they kind of figure it out. I mean, eh. I mean, I don't even know if it looks the same. I don't, I'm, you know, I don't have it. I don't have their their roster in front of me. Uh, their whole new staff on defense. Um, you know, they play five primetime games. Being the Cowboys, they're of always going to play. They're always going to play a ton of primetime games. Yeah. And now those are just the ones at night, not the four twenty five slot or whatever else. Right. Uh, you know, this team's. Again, it's kind of like Daniel Jones, but I think for the coaching staff, you're, you're pretty loaded on offense in a winnable division. you, you got to put up a shut-up here, I think. Yeah, I, I just find this to be fascinating because we're really, we're really going to, you know, you're really going to get an idea if Dak is – I just think it's just a, such a mistake. I just think it's such a mistake. Like he, Even if you think he's good, he's not great. And now you're now you're stuck with him. You you you're stuck with him for five six years, whatever it is. Um, so their schedule, they start off with the Bucks, and I don't want to hear about Super Bowl hangover. They're gonna get run. They're gonna get run by Tampa. And then week two, oh, they're, dude, they're, they're, they're uh, when you hand a banger game, you're gonna get you're gonna get rocked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those, and those then week two, games are... week two at the Chargers. So I mentioned how the Chargers. If I'm Washington, I love playing them first game of the season because. You know, you got a new head coach, new offense coordinator, and, you know, second-year quarterback. But one thing I do know as a former head coach myself is that all teams, all teams at all levels, you make your biggest improvements between week one and week two. Why? Because it's the first time you're playing against live bullets, okay? It's the first time you're playing, you know, against a team that you don't know what exactly they're going to do. You can't script everything, right? Um, so you really that first week is is the first time you really get an idea and really get a sense of who you are as a team. So who does Dallas get to play? They get to play Justin Herbert second game of the season after they just played Washington. If you're Justin <laughs> Herbert, who do you want to play against? Do you want to play against Washington or you want to play against the Dallas Cowboys defense with Dan Quinn as their defensive coordinator? Like it's gonna be like it's gonna be like you know facing Godzilla and then facing like me in a fight. Like the first week it's Godzilla and then it's Pete Colasano at 47 years old and can't lift his arms above his shoulders. Like, you know, it's, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather fight me. But you're, but you're scrappy. Yeah. I have a lot of, yeah, I have a lot of spunk. Well, scrappy. Like, I think, I think there's a really good chance that Dallas starts 0 and 2. And then just again, like, so it's not so much to 0 and 2. Can you come back from 0 and 2? Of course you can come back from 0 and 2. But it's, it's, it's Dallas. It's the media. It's a full week of Skip Bayless saying, I told you Dak is not the right man, and now you're stuck with him for four years. It's two weeks yeah. of Colin Cowherd and Dan Patrick and Clay Travis and all Pete these Calisano. guys. And, and bump and run just tearing you to pieces, and you have to face the music and explain why you're worth $39 million a year. And yeah. it, it, that's what I'm saying. It's not just the loss. It's momentum. It's it's um, mentality, it's psychology, chatter. It's yeah, it absolutely yeah, is yeah. part of it. Make no mistake, these guys hear whatever they say, they hear it. So um, that's I just I think there's a really good chance they start zero and two, and if they do, it things just get louder. Things just get louder. Yeah, you know, they just didn't to me. They just their biggest problem. Even if you think Dak is fine, their offensive is fine because they score a lot of points. To me, they score a lot of points when they're already losing, but that's besides the point. Their big problem was defense, and I just don't see how they really addressed the the major problems that they had there. In fact, Alden Smith was one of the only like bright spots, at least early in the season, and he's not even there anymore. Like he was the one guy that got after the quarterback, and he's gone. So, 
true. I just don't see how suddenly this is like a good like the personnel on defense hasn't changed at all, and now what? They're just going to be a good defensive team? I just don't see it. I don't get it. I th- I could see the Chargers lighting them up like a Christmas tree and putting a shit ton of points on the board. So, you know, um, that that's just my take. I, I don't get it with Dallas. I think they're going to be. I think I think if they go, you know, I don't even know what the hell you would say nine and seven or what would it be nine and eight? I'd be shocked if they nine went nine eight. and eight. I think I think they're I think they're an eight win team at best. I really do. Because I think the rest of the division has actually improved more than people think. I think the Giants have improved. Uh, and I think between the Giants defense and the Washington defense, I think Dallas is going to have a really hard time. I just I just think they're going to have a really hard time. All right, let's get to our predictions of what we think, how, how, how the uh, division is going to play out. What do you got there? How do you think this division plays All out? All right. So I got fourth place at 5-12, and 12, the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. In third place, at eight and nine, I got the Washington Football Team. Wow, you really do not believe in the in. in I don't. The, uh, I don't. I don't. I think team formerly known as the Redskins. I think at some point, Fitzpatrick's going to blow some games late, or the defense. Listen, they could lose games 17-13. I mean, it's very possible. I mean, I just don't know how much their offense is going to give you. Um, and I think you know when you have a great defense like that, it puts a lot of pressure on your offense. And if your offense is still stagnant, again, we don't know their run game all that well. Again, I like the coach. I like I like where they're going with it. I just I have more faith in the Giants and Cowboys than you do. I think you do. Um, so so in second place, I have the Cowboys at nine and eight, and then the first place Giants at ten and seven. Okay, so we don't really have the Cowboys off. We don't differ so much on the Cowboys as far as their record. No, one game or two games, maybe. Yeah, I, I probably see him as eight and nine. You saw him at nine and eight. I mean, it's one game somewhere along the line. They're going to win one that I think they're going to lose. Like I'd have to look at the entire schedule, but I do have the Eagles right. in fourth place, and I think that's more of a, a result of the fact that I think they're going to. I think, man, their their season, their their schedule to start the season is tough, and um, you know, we're going to talk with Josh Hennig next week. He's part of this Philly media. Philly media is tough, dude. It's just Philly fans, Eagles fans are just really, really tough. They're tough. And you're going to be hearing a lot. And, you know, you'll be getting the chatter about Sirianni. Is he up for the job? And I don't think it has anything. I don't think you're going to really have any idea whether he is or not, considering who they're playing in those first five games. It's just a tough first four or five games. I think it's just tough. So I just I think I think they get off to a tough start, and I think that's why I think they're in fourth place. I got the Cowboys next. I don't. I just don't. Listen, if the NFC if the NFC East has ever been about anything, it's been about defense. Even when the Cowboys had their had their run, their their, their little mini dynasty, we always talk about Troy Aikman and and um, Emmitt Smith and, and all those guys. Dude, they had the best defense in the division. That's why they that's why they won. They won championships because they had a great defense. This is the worst defensive team in the division. End of conversation. This isn't even close. We can argue about whose offense is better or whose defense is better. You can't argue about whose defense is the worst. Like it's Cowboys, and it's like of the four teams in this division, they got the sixth worst defense because the Eagles scout team defense is better than the than the Cowboys starting defense. Okay. So, but because they can, I think they will. They have so many damn weapons. I think they will score some points. Um, I do have them in third. I have the Giants in second. I'm just not sold on Daniel Jones. I don't not like him. I'm just not there. I'm just not there. Um, And I guess what that means is end of the season, 
you know, let's say there's like three games left and you're neck and neck with Washington and that's how I have this right now. I don't know. I'd rather have an experienced Ryan Fitzpatrick who's been there, who's made a playoff run with a couple different teams. He's been in the league. Uh, he knows what it takes to win as opposed to Daniel Jones who just hasn't been there. I haven't seen it from him. So until I see it, and again, I question that offensive line and I question – I question the front office for not addressing that offensive line. So I, I don't have a record for them. I could see them winning maybe 10 games, 9 or 10 games. I, I'm i higher on Washington than you are. I really could see them winning 11 games. Or I really could see wow. them winning. Because I, wow. I think that defense is exceptional, and I think the offense is good enough. I think the offense is better than it was last year, and uh, and they won a division last year with, like, no offense. Like, just no offense. So they made some upgrades. Yeah. Yeah. They made some upgrades. I think they have a real quarterback. I think they have a real good quarterback, but I think they have a real quarterback uh, with some nice weapons. And I think they win eleven games. I think they, you know, at least eleven games. I think they win a division. That's just what I think. And, and I just think they they have the best defense. And the NFC East is always, you know, listen. End of the season, it's going to be cold. It's going to be windy. You know, Dallas is going to have to come up northeast to play these teams. And you know, those those defenses when it's nasty. That's what you want. You want defense and you want a running game. And I just I, I think Washington has the best of, of those. We'll see what Saquon Barkley. I'm interested to see what like Saquon Barkley does this year. Um coming off the torn ACL. He he's kind of an X factor in this. If he can if he can have like a good a good season running the ball. Um I I know he I know he can catch the ball out of the backfield, but if he can have a good season running the ball, if he's a thousand yard rusher, boy, that takes a lot of pressure off of Daniel Jones. Sure does. You know I, mean? I agree. Because now you got play action, and and now every quarterback is better on play action, right? This is why the San Francisco offense is based on it. Like that that Shanahan yep. offense is based on it because we all do better uh, when we're doing play action. So that's what we got. We uh, you know, for me, it's Washington, then the Giants, then the Cowboys, and then the Eagles. Um, so we'll see what happens. For me, it's Giants, Cowboys, Redskins, or Washington football team. Yes, formerly known and as the Eagles. Um, we, we're going to play a game later on today. It's called Career versus Prime, and we're going to compare two players who were, you know, probably good players, great players, whatever you want to say. And um, we, they may be comparable players, but we'll tell you how one had a better prime and the other one had a better career, and it might might surprise you a little bit. Um, so next week, I think we'll do an uh, AFC East. Why don't we stick in the East? We'll do the AFC East next week. It'll be uh, the Bills, the Jets, the uh, Patriots, and oh. the Dolphins. We gotta get you a napkin for the Jets. Uh, oh, shit. You might you might be surprised. You might be surprised, <laughs> dude. They they can't. They really can't trot Zach Wilson out there, can they? First first week. Oh, Brian Hoyer back to the Patriots. I know. I saw, dude. I saw that. Oh. I'm like Belichick, that son of a bitch. You know he did that so the Jets don't sign him. You 100%. know that's why they did. It. You know that's why he did Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Oh, that bastard. Jeez. Like he doesn't want. Dude, he doesn't gonna, want Hoyer are, talking. Are you guys are you going to call, like, Warren Moon on back? Like, what are you guys going to do? Dude, I don't me? know, but I just – I really – dude, I'm trying to be consistent here, and I told you that one of the problems I had with what the Jets did with Sam Darnold was, like, you just trot this – he was 20 years old when he first started. Like, you trot this kid out on a field with a shit team, you know, come on. I just – I don't know. I'm hoping that Chicago cuts Nick Foles or something or – um I'm just hoping somebody shakes loose somewhere down the line. I just I can't. Yeah. I told you last week they don't have a single guy who's ever started an NFL football game on their roster right now. You can't wow. do that. You can't even do that. 
just from a um from a practice point Peter, of view. Peter, save this for next week, man. Oh, it's just driving me nuts, man. I'm I'm hoping within the next week they sign a freaking quarterback, man. <laughs> So I want to tell you something that I think is funny, though. I, I have to bring this up because I just think it's funny. Um, you know, <laughs> whether it's television or people who do what we do, radio, whatever, like, you know, I know when you do it on a daily basis, we do this once a week, but when you, so when you do it on a daily basis, it's hard, okay, because, like, yeah. you have to fill, you know, if your show is three hours, you don't fill three hours because they have commercials. We just go straight through. We're just friggin' savages. We just go straight through for two hour yeah. and a half, two hours, whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, you have to fill a show, and you have to do that every single day. So I get it. Okay, so I'm not really trying to kill these guys. But when the whole Aaron Rodgers thing first went down, it was like, he's gone. Like, there wasn't anybody who was like, this can be reconciled. This can be fixed. Like, he's gone. There's no way he can stay. There's no there's nothing Green Bay can do, right? And then like now you hear it's the opposite, right? Like, well, <laughs> it's a it's a 39 million dollar cap hit for Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is if, gonna, 38 years old. Um, if the Packers do this, maybe he'll come back. Yeah, like you yeah. know, uh, we can make a trade and like uh, well, if they give him more guaranteed money. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong, Scott. I could be wrong about this, but if I go in my way back time machine to like three weeks ago on this little show called Bump and Run, I think it was you and I that said, slow down a little bit, okay? This is not the same situation as Deshaun Watson. Wow. You have a 38-year-old – this isn't even like – because then you hear people say, well, Peyton Manning left uh, the Colts at the end of his career and Tom Brady left the Patriots. Way different. Way, way different, different because those guys, they had no contract. They ran their, – their contract ran out and then they left. It's not the same. Aaron Rodgers has two right. or three years left on an existing contract. Okay? So why does that matter? Because – there's a cap, there's a massive cap hit, almost a forty friggin' million dollar cap hit that the Green Bay would have to eat, and they're in no rush to do Aaron Rodgers any friggin' favors. Okay, so um, I just yep. think it's interesting that three close friends of his have come out now and said, "Well, you know, th things could get uh, things. <laughs> it, it, it could be it could be repaired. You know, all it's they not, need. It's not over yet. Yeah, just yeah. you know, who who was it that who was it? Um, do I have it written down here? Oh, Chris Kuhn. The fullback. Full John Kuhn, whatever. I think it was, yeah. I mean, John Kuhn. I don't know, whatever. Kuhn, Kuhn, however you say it. It was like uh, Dave Cuny. I think it was Dave Cuny. That might have been. Dave, Coach full, Cuny. Yeah, fullback for, for Green Bay Packers. Like, the, you got guys coming out who are now saying, like, you know, they just got to get in the room and they just got to talk. And, you know, and you have other people, scouts or, or former GMs, like, listen, you know, wh wh why would Aaron want to go to Denver and play? Justin Herbert twice a year for the next three, four years of his career. Uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes Patty. twice a year for the next three, four years of his career. Like, why would, when you can play, um, you know, against Detroit, who stinks, against Chicago, who doesn't even know who their quarterback is right now, and against uh, Kirk Cousins? Like, you know, why would you do that? You're a, you're a championship. Right. So you have people saying, I don't know, exactly what we were saying three weeks ago. Like exactly what we yeah. were saying three weeks ago. So I get pump it. The brakes. Yeah, I get it. You need to say things to you know pump up your audience and rile people up. Slow down, dude. Just slow down. It's the same <laughs> with the Tim Tebow stuff. 
Like, just slow down. Oh. You still got people. I still hear Colin Coward talking Dude. about Tebow as a quarterback. It doesn't May 20th. matter. He will he either perform or he will not. Oh. Stop it. Just stop it. I'm so that, sick listen, of it already. It goes for the Tebow defenders, too. Like, just stop it. Just let it happen. He's not taking yeah. a position away from anybody. There's no guarantees. Urban Meyer didn't suddenly become an idiot that he's just going to sign somebody who stinks. He'll either be he'll either surprise us all and make the team and have an impact, or he won't. But you're not going to see some guy that can't carry himself on a football field. Slow down. Pete, can we get to Memorial Day for us, for Christ's sake? It's incredible. Like, this some is of like, these teams, I, some of these teams have over 80 guys on their current roster. Like, just stop. Just stop. All right. And, Take a breath. And you and you and you brought up the point last week where he's taken away a roster spot for people. No, he's not. No. Dude, you're not good enough to play in the league if you can't beat fucking Tim Tebow it's absurd. at that end. Dude, it's totally, uh, it's totally absurd. Okay. And, I, and I, I listen, I don't love Tebow. I don't hate him. He's just a guy in the league to me. But dude, enough. Like, I don't care enough about this. It anymore. doesn't matter. Yeah, all these opinions don't mean shit. Like, he's either gonna uh, pull off like some miracle and be able to play tight end, or he's not. Or and he's not. got these guys in the league. He's not gonna be able to block me. Great, go prove it and get him out of here. Then just wipe the floor with him. Exactly. Then, then, then do it. Yeah. Perfect. It's the, it's the beauty of sports oh. is that it's a meritocracy. You either perform or you don't. And if you don't, you walk. That's it. You <laughs> it's walk. as simple yeah. as that. You, you I, I work nine to five like I do. That's I, fine. Listen, Great. I, I, fine. I, we were talking little league in the beginning, and I'm coaching my son. Guess what? My son plays right field sometimes. My son sits on the bench sometimes. You know why? Because I have other players that are a little better than him at, at infield positions. And, you know, we got to rotate guys in and out. Like, and then at the end of a game, I want the best players in the best positions, most important positions, so that we win. And that's my own son. You, you, you I understand? Won't you. I won't tell you. Yeah, I got to yeah. make sure he doesn't hear this episode. I can't play this one in a car. But, like, I, I get that Urban Meyer loves Tim Tebow. And I'm, I'm sure he does. I, I'm, I'm sure he's very fond of him. But he's not going to, like, you know, cut his own nose off despite his face. Like he's not a friggin' moron. So just relax. Just relax. Trust me when I tell you, if Tim Tebow somehow makes the Jaguars, it's because he was able to play. And guess what the beauty of the NFL is? You'll know before the season even starts because they'll they're gonna play the shit out of him in the preseason. And he's either gonna yeah. make a bunch yeah. of catches and run people over, or he's gonna get cut. That's like it. I know. Chill. Just chill. It's all gonna be fine. Listen, so there was, you know, we talked last week about how LeBron James, after being all for the playing tournament last year, um, wasn't so excited about it this year because, oh, you have to play in it because your team uh, went through a lot of injuries and your record kind of sucked. I, I just want to ask you, from what we saw over the last couple days and how the playing continue, continues tonight um, with the teams that lost, I guess you can say, or however... Yeah. We're not going to explain yeah. how, but just do you think this is a win or a loss so far for the NBA? Well, I didn't watch a lick of the Eastern Conference, and you know they got two. They got a team that's always good with the Celtics, and a team with the Wizards that have two star players on it, and I couldn't give a shit less yeah. about the, those yeah. games. Um, the Pacers who are out without their best oh player or second best player, and Karis LeVert, 
put up 144 points. Dude, they were winning by 30 in the first half. Yeah. So I know I'm a little. I, I know I'm, I'm getting around here because I don't even really have a point. But and the West, <laughs> I'm going to make I, your I watched, point for you. Don't worry. I watched. I watched the Lakers and the Warrior game last night at midnight. For Christ's sake, because why not? Because you have to watch Curry versus LeBron. You're not going to get this more. You're not going to get yeah. this much more. You know, LeBron is an all-time great, and I, I can't stand it, but he is what he is. And, and Curry I love, and I love his game. And he changed oh, yeah. the game in a lot of ways. And and they, and they and LeBron was a ghost in the first half. Anthony Davis was terrible in the first half. And Curry did does what he does. Yeah. The, the Warriors turned the ball over a ton in the third quarter, which got the Lakers back in it, which eventually got them to win the game. Uh, LeBron hit a game-winning shot over Curry, which was a phenomenal play. Listen, you tip your hat when you have to. Um. The league does their best job of getting LeBron advancing. You know, <laughs> they, do, they do what they do. Um, so watching that game last night, I, I got to tell you, I thought it was I thought it was well done. I thought it was a great one and done playing. But the, but it's not a one and done because the Warriors still have a shot to yeah. get in tomorrow night. Um, so in that aspect, to watch that game last night, I was on the edge of my seat. I was rooting for the Warriors. I thought it was well done. I thought yeah. it was cool. But but again, but, but, to the, but to the East, I didn't watch a lick. And I couldn't care less. Now, if the Knicks were in it, I obviously would care. Sure. But, but so in a way, it works. In a way, to me, it doesn't work. And I, I know I didn't really answer the. I know I'm on the fence on this a little bit. Yeah. Um, is it a way that, that they can maybe adjust it or make it a little bit be- better? Maybe. Um, is it just this year too? We don't know that. I. But, but we'll see going forward. But what what do you think? About yeah, it? I think it's a. I think it's a huge win, and I think it's a huge win. Interestingly enough, because I'm going to make your point that you started to make. All, all four chalks won. All four favorites won. Right? So you look at that and you're like, this is a total waste yeah. of time because your four favorites won. But it's not a waste of time um, because of something that we've talked about in the past, which is a problem with the NBA and a problem with Major League Baseball, and that is that there's no urgency. And then we, and then I even mentioned to you, like, even the NBA playoffs, which is a, a infinitely better product than the NBA regular season. To me, the NBA regular season isn't even a real product. NBA postseason no. is a decent product. At least you're seeing guys play hard and play defense, and the games clearly matter. But with a seven-game series, there's no urgency. What you saw Tuesday and Wednesday night is real urgency. Okay, you saw teams that were like, if, if we lose, we're out. So while all four yeah. favorites yeah. law, all four favorites won, um, you saw serious urgency. Like you saw playoff basketball and almost a like game seven type basketball, which is good shit. Like that's what yeah, we want, right? right? Um, that that game last night with the Lakers and and, and Warriors, there was serious urgency. Like while Absolutely. both of those teams recognize they'll have another game, neither one wanted to lose. Like they're playing balls out because they want they want to be done. They want to be in. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, and we'll see what what it looks like because we're we're recording this on a Thursday, so we'll see what it looks like tonight and tomorrow night. Um, with those last two kind of play-ins. Yeah, and, and how much energy they have left or whatever they yeah. look like going into the playoffs too. Like, yeah, there's a lot to be So what's interesting said, is like but... you had three games that really kind of were like, meh. But it's still a huge win for the NBA because it there was urgency, so you brought in a lot of eyes. I watched and I don't ever watch, right? So you brought me in because True. there was that urgency. Yeah. Like, wow, somebody might get like. There's a chance LeBron James might not get knocked out, but it might be in serious. His playoff run might be in serious jeopardy, and the playoffs didn't even start yet. Like, there's urgency right. there, and that creates excitement, right? So now you're going to see massive urgency tomorrow night when you see um, uh, 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 Steph Curry, Grizzlies, Warriors. And yeah, yeah, like yeah. again, one game 
you know, if Duke plays Northern Iowa 20, you know, in a seven game series, they're going to win the series. But in a one gamer, I don't know, you know, anything's possible. So, and, and, and I want to mention something about Memphis after this, but um, I think it's a huge win. And I think they have to do this going forward now because they just, because now what's going to happen as soon as the playoffs start, the urgency goes away again, which is so fascinating to me. Like, this is so fun. It's, it really is kind of fun because, you know, you know, we got people talking about Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, and like his legacy because they might miss the playoffs after being like a, a um, kind of like a top eight team and having a great run at the end of the season. Is he a great player or is he just a stat compiler? One game can yeah. can decide what Russell Westbrook's like legacy, which is bananas, right? Because he has a, he's only won two playoff games without Kevin Durant. So it's like, well, maybe this guy isn't. He's just maybe he's just a stack compiler. So in that sense, this is a total win. Now you mentioned like, is there a way for them to improve this? I think the way to improve this is to make it even more, make create even more urgency, and go one verse ten. Oh, I'm sorry, one verse ten, seven verse ten, eight verse nine, and yeah, winners in, winners and in, losers it. out. And that's it. Like yeah. that, now yeah, you're I really think. creating urgency, and it yep. is more important to be a seven because you'll be home. And you know you you yeah with full stadiums next year and and going yes yeah, so it'll matter um so that's a way to create even more urgency but it just does suck that now you're gonna go right back to seven game series where if you lose the first game it's like yeah it's okay we're gonna win it we'll we'll try to win the next one like you lose that urgency and so I'm interested to see what the um what the ratings were for I bet you the I'll bet you that the ratings for that that Laker game last night especially and maybe the Celtics game also. I'll bet you the ratings for that game, those games, will be higher than most any first-round games, like actual playoff games, because there's massive urgency. I'm probably not going to watch yeah, much, if any, of the first round. You know, I'll watch you're highlights. Right. I get yeah. the highlights. But yeah. those games I checked out because it was like, wow, this is really fascinating. I want to mention um, Memphis, and really I want to mention John Morant, because all we hear about is Zion Williamson and how Zion is special and Zion's amazing, and he is. I'm not trying to take away from Zion because I like the kid. I think he's fun. I think he's a great watch, and I think – you know, he's already like a scoring leader in the NBA. Yeah. He's only in the second year and coming off COVID and all this kind of craziness. So I'm not trying to throw shade on Zion. John Morant took a Memphis team like to the playoffs this year, like or really on the cusp of being in the playoffs this year. Zion's team, they weren't even in the in the play in tournament. Like, let's give John Morant some credit. He has brought real credibility to Memphis. Two years in a row, like they were, they were fighting for a playoff spot last year. They're fighting for a playoff spot this year, and it's a shit roster. Like he's the, he's like the only guy, or one of a few only guys on that team that are even worth talking about. Um, God forbid he starts to shoot threes at like above a thirty-five percent clip. Yeah, he's a, like he's a, I know. dude. Because one on one, he's he's Allen Iverson. I mean, he's unstoppable one on one. Like he's gonna go by anybody he wants to. Um, I, I just think he's a guy that we should. If you if you like basketball, go watch John Morant. The kid plays hard the entire game, and and unlike Zion, John Morant makes Memphis a better team. Zion's a great player, but he but New Orleans stinks. Like they still stink even with him on the court. Um, yeah. Memphis is a better team now that they have John Morant, he, and he's just un, he's an underrated player because he came in the same draft with Zion. Who's who's Memphis's coach? You know off the top of your head? Uh-oh. I don't. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I think, think Valencia, Valencia Unis is the only other guy I know of on that team. I don't even think I said his name right. And he might not even be on that team. I might have that wrong. 
No, I think he is. I think he had a good play yesterday, matter of fact. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I think, thought I was right. I, I think I think Van Gundy's brother, Stan, in New Orleans sucks. So, like, that's, like, another thing why New Orleans isn't great. But I, that's why I was just wondering. The well, he's kind of like a developmental coach. He's supposed to be good with young players. But, you know, I just don't see the improvement, you know. like, But, yeah, but I, I just it. think it's interesting because, you know, Zion Williamson has some players around him, and they stink. And John Morant has not they much. Stink. Yeah, they stink. They don't play any defense. Like they're just—they're yeah. not a good team. So and again, I love Zion. I think he's kind of like must-watch TV. I absolutely think he's like, you know, a guy in this league that's going to be a difference maker. Like he's just too good and too strong and too just too—he's just too much not to eventually make his team good. So I'm not trying to say he's yeah. not. I'm yeah. not trying to make it like that. I'm I'm more trying to pump up John Morant. I think he's a much I think he doesn't get enough credit. I'm not trying to take Understood. it away from Zion. I'm trying to I'm trying to let people know that there's a guy in Memphis whose name is John Morant that you need to you need to check out. Yeah, him and Curry should be fun tomorrow night. I just hope I can watch a little bit of it because I have an early the, tea time Saturday. Is I don't want to be up till two a.m. Yeah, it's a good point. What time's your tea time? Eight o'clock. Oh Jesus, yeah. And it's not like you'll be drinking water <laughs> watching the game. So me? No, never. No. Um. If I'm not mistaken, it's time. Is it time? Do what? Did I skip anything? Did I miss anything? I think we're clear, bro. I think, it's time uh, I think we're good to go for career versus prime. Now, what we're gonna do here is we're gonna give you two great players, and we're gonna explain how one of them had a better prime and one of them had a better career. Now, you may not agree with us, and if you don't agree, go to the Anchor app. Go to voice message and leave us a voice message and correct us. But I don't think we're wrong about this one, and I think you're going to find find this pretty interesting. Scotty, I'm going to let you start off. What's your first one? No, you start you off. You want me to start off? Game, you start off. Okay. Yeah, you please. All right, I'm going to start off in the NBA, and I have uh, two all-time greats, two Hall of Famers, first ballot Hall of Famers, two top ten players of all time. But I'm going to make a case that one of them had a better prime and the other had a better career, and I think some people might disagree with me. Larry Bird and Kobe Bryant. Now, people like me will argue that Larry Bird is, with Magic Johnson, uh, third best player in the history of the sport. And this, I don't include centers. When I do these kind of rankings, I don't, I don't include centers. So I do like Magic, uh, uh, Michael Jordan, then LeBron James, and then I have Bird Magic. I always keep, I always had them linked. They were linked in college. Yeah. They were linked yeah. in pros. I just I just have them um, linked. So I have Larry Bird versus Kobe Bryant. And I'm saying that Larry Bird's prime was better than Kobe's prime, but Kobe's career was better than Larry Bird's career. And here's what here's I a like couple it. here's a couple things why I'm saying that. Um, when Larry Bird came into the league, he was instantly the best player. Like he was instantly the best player. Him and Magic Johnson, same. You know, they came in the same year, and right away goes to the goes to the NBA Finals. Like he's instantly one of the best, if not the best player in in the NBA. Okay. Um, now you're younger than me, and I'm I'm assuming that many people who listen to this are younger than me. But go go on YouTube and just look up like Larry Bird highlights, and you will see um, Larry Bird was way more athletic than people realize. We love talking about how Steph Curry and um, oh my God, uh, Scott, Clay Thompson. No, uh, uh, Scott. Um, 
three-point shooter. I'm thinking of like great three-point shooters. Dennis Scott? No, I may not be saying it. Who who was it with the uh, with the Miami Heat? It was um Ray Allen. I'm thinking Ray Allen. Ray Allen. Like yeah, we yeah, think yeah. of like guys yeah. now as great three-point shooters. If Larry, when Larry Bird played, shooting threes wasn't like a big thing to do. This is the same joke with like Michael Jordan. Like, oh, Michael Jordan wasn't a three-pointer. It's not that's not how the game is played. Like, you honestly right. think Michael Jordan couldn't shoot threes? Like, you're just an idiot if that's what you think. Like, you're just dumber than dumb. Like, just dumb. But there was a stretch of about six to eight years where Larry Bird was just an unstoppable machine. Like, go look at his scoring averages. Go look at, like, his assists, rebounds. I think in his prime, he's one of the best. He's, like, top three players of all time. Like, all time. But I actually think Kobe has had a better career. Kobe did it over a longer period of time. Kobe got yeah. more championships. Kobe actually kind of reinvented himself as a champion also. So he had his championship run with Shaq and then struggled for a little while and then had another yeah. championship run. I know. And this crazy, happened man. over a number of years. When Kobe came in the league, he was not. Now, Kobe came out of high school, um, so he gets a little bit of a break. But he was not the best player in the league. In the first couple of years, he kind of struggled. You know, he was not an elite player. He wasn't even, you know, I don't even know if he was an all-star or whatever, but like... I didn't know if he played the first year. Yeah, he uh, he, he didn't play, you know, he wasn't Kobe the first year, maybe two years, you know. He, he came into that, but it was also, like I said, he came in out of high school, so it's a little different. So to me, I think Kobe Bryant, because of longevity um, and because he kind of had two championship runs, like almost like two dynasties um, and more championships, I think he had a better career. But I, I implore all of you to go to YouTube and check out Larry Bird. The ball handling skills. Now you have to understand, Larry Bird came into the league or in college was like a power forward. Like he was a back-to-the-basket kind of player. So when I tell you that he's one of the most, the most pure shooters in the history of sport, that's not what was – that's not kind of who he was coming out of college. Like he made himself that. Um, just a great passer vision of the court. Like we think of Kobe, he's like a scoring assassin, but like nobody thinks of him as like a great passer or, you know, ball right. handler. Like Larry Bird was all those things. And he was, he was the best at all those things. Rebounder too. He's a good rebounder. Phenomenal, right. So yeah. I just, some people might argue with this, but I think Larry Bird was better in his prime than Kobe, but Kobe had a better career. I like it. I wish I saw more Larry Bird. I didn't really it's get a to shame. see Larry Bird it's when, a I, shame. when I started watching basketball because he was on that dream team in '92. I was only seven years old, and, and he I was, was already banged watch, up. But I didn't, I didn't know what I was. I didn't know what I was watching anyway. You know, nah, he was point, already but. banged up at that point. His yeah. his prime yeah, was exactly. like from 1980 to like I want to say 87, maybe oh, 88. Wow. I mean, he still played. He still played but after that, that level, but he that, just wasn't yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah. Dude, this is where they but, came up before there was a salary cap, and even once there was a salary cap, you may have heard of the Larry Bird exemption. So when they when yes, the NBA first yes. came up with a salary cap, you know there were a couple teams, and Boston Celtics were the main one that were like, "Listen, I have no problem with a salary cap, but I got this one guy that I can't just pay. You know, I can't just pay him <laughs> a couple million. You know, I, we need you know." And they came up with the, the Larry Bird exemption. That's There's a reason that they were willing to pay Larry Bird like pretty much the same as they paid the rest of the team combined, because he just and not only so not, great. not not only that the the Larry Bird uh, exemption, but the stories you hear, the three point contest with the warm up jack, the, like and then he's like you hear he points to guys on the bench. I'm going for 45. He go for 45. Like yeah, 
And what's it, fascinating it just, about him too, because he's like kind of like a very like chalky white, you know, just mid yeah. mid American looking white dude, kind of quiet, right? He is known as one of the all-time greatest trash talkers because he really did it on the down low. He wasn't like yeah. in your face yeah. trash talking. He would kind of just come up to you and he would yeah. just stand next to you and kind of whisper into your ear that you know you don't have a, a chance in hell of making that shot, right? Okay, good luck with that. <laughs> and, and, and you're like, what the hell? Like, you know. Yeah, he wasn't time. doing it on the post-game show. He was doing it on the court behind your free throw ear. Like, yeah, like just something like. And if you still don't believe me, Go look up who Michael Jordan thinks was the most difficult person he ever played against. And and he will tell you, Larry Bird. Larry Bird. Larry Bird was the guy he wanted to beat. Larry Bird was the toughest was the toughest guy. And he even said that one of the hardest guys that ever covered him, that ever covered him, was Larry Bird. Wow. So, well done. I like that one. Go ahead. Who do you got? So I have my all-time favorite baseball player. Or when I was a kid, at least, Ken Griffey Jr. Mm. versus modern day Mike Trout. So I went a little bit different on this angle than you did. Trout's obviously still playing in the league. He's going to his ninth season. Well, last year was cut short with COVID, so I'm I'm, I'm shutting that 60 game season kind of out on this one. <laughs> so Mike Trout started his career faster than Griffey did with average and home runs. So to start his first four years, Trout had 30. 27, 36, and 41, when Griffey had 22, 22, 27, and 45. And then that's when Griffey's career took off. So Griffey had five years of his prime were unbelievable. So 90, in 1996, he had 49 bombs, 140 RBIs, and 125 runs scored. 97, what he had year 56. Was that? 96? 96. In 97, he had 56, 147, and 125. Good God. In 98, he had 56 again, 146, and 120 runs scored. In 99, he went 48, 134, and 123 runs scored. And then his first year with the Reds in 2000, he had 40, 118, and 100. And then injuries demolished him. And I then was it was just going to say, he, had, he got injuries, old. right? Was there a wrist injury or something? Yeah, a wrist injury in Seattle, and he right. came back from that. And that was during the middle of that whole run it was bananas man the guy was incredible remember he went into the wall backwards when his wrist hit the wall yes like he was just he was like he was incredible i know he's Dude, that, the, around player. that time they had some epic battles especially in the playoffs with the yankees oh absolutely who was, who was the guy that used to be a yankee that was an outfielder for seattle um used to be a yankee uh outfield for russ he, russ davis no no uh, during that time he he, he I think he came up with the Yankees, but he didn't like play any. Jay Buhner. Jay Buhner. Jay Buhner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude. God, they had good pitchers. That lineup like, was, that was just a great. That was a great rivalry right a, at the time. A, a young Alex Rodriguez, a, a, a machine in Edgar Martinez. I was going to say Edgar, Edgar Martinez, a hitting machine, and, they, and they had like a, a clinic. And they had a couple of role players too. That Joe Joey Cora was on that team. Uh, yes. Mike Flowers was on that team, and then uh, a guy that we ended up having, Tino Martinez, and then Louis Soho, I think, was a, was a mayor too. If I'm not mistaken, I think you're right. So. Yeah. So, I mean, Dude, Edgar Martinez was a walking years. hitting clinic. He was just such oh a professional. God. It was amazing. I, I think he could, I think he get a 260 now in his probably super right. league. You're probably right. So, the thing that the thing that really Trout's got no gold gloves. Yeah. Griffey at 10. Trout's a little bit better on the base pass. I think Griffey was, Griffey was a bigger guy than Trout is. 
like long and like longer than like longer strides. Say he but ain't Trout's, thicker because Trout is a beast. Trout's, yeah, Trout's ripped. Trout's jacked up. So, who would you rather have? Like, oh, so one more thing. Trout's probably going to be close to hundred percent Hall of Fame bout. Griffey oh, was ninety nine point three, three votes shy. And now before Mo got in unanimous and Jeter missed by one, but. And Trout's going to be right there too. He's probably going to be unanimous now that now that that that's broken. There'll always be some idiot. Who, who would you? But now listen, Trout's Trout's played. He's in his thirties now. How many seasons has he, he played, played so far? This is, I think, this is year nine. Okay, so so what's interesting about this this comparison is he's he's widely recognized as the best player in, in a sport right now, and has yes. been and yes. has been for yes. quite some time now. Six years, absolutely. Yeah, and you're sure. talking about people comparing him to like Mickey Mantle, like just, and he doesn't look like he's slowing down. He's having as good a year this year as he's ever had. At least he's off to as good a start as he ever. He was had. having a great year, but now he's out two months. Oh. See, I didn't see. So that. that, so now, but that—that's why. This is why that. I, I'm glad you it's brought this game up. It's tough to do with it was, current it was players. Perfect timing. It's tough to current players, and plus, would you like? Would you rather have careers done? His career in the in the barn in the clubhouse. You know what Griffey's is, or Trout could add to that, or is he going to have a breakdown like Griffey had? Well, what's like, the injury right know? now? What's the injury he's out with? It's a torn calf or something like that. All right, that's not but something that's going to hold him back. It's not too. It's it's not nothing right. But but you brought up Stanton early in the show. This shit now continues. Tear here. Yeah. A pull here. And it's and he, interesting and he because you're talking about you're talking about two guys playing in very different eras. Because um, I would yeah. love to. What would Trout? What would Trout's home run and RBI totals be in the '90s? Because a lot of guys were, you know. You're talking Griffey hitting multiple years of 50-plus home runs, 45-plus home yes. runs. Like, it's incredible. I know. You know, this is a tough one because I, I'm assuming that you're saying that the prime, you're going with the prime is what, Griffey? With those five years, I, yeah. Those five years I gave you, those numbers I mean, are career. tough. Oh, my God. No, well, that's – well, because – so the pushback I would give you is that, you know, 10 gold gloves is – also, yeah. a pretty yeah. good career. Yeah. I, I agree with <laughs> um, you. Yep. I, I can't argue with you too much because that's why I put that in there. Because because Trout's consistency has been like he's kind of like the same player from beginning to, to current. I can't. No matter what his injury is, I can't imagine his statistics are going to drop off that drastically. You know, in the next year, just because he's got a calf injury, I, I would expect he's still going to be a damn good player. Yeah, I can't argue with this too much because Griffey was just meteoric at the time. So I mean that I mean that's what that's what he was just friggin' insane. That's when Sports Center was amazing too in the mid nineties. You didn't you didn't have Twitter, you didn't have all this stuff. You went yeah. home to see you relied on a home run. What are you doing? Yeah, you relied absolutely Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen, all those yeah. guys now that are stars somewhere else. That's where we we started at. You know, 10, 11, 12 years old, man, we're playing Little League baseball like the hat backwards, the spikes, yes. the cleats. Like, dude, there's a lot going on there. Like, you talk about, like, Michigan's Fab Five with the shorts. Griffey's, a lot of people want the Major League Baseball to change their logo, that a hat backwards and stuff. I played, like, I played softball for 20 years. I played men's softball for 20 years, and much of, much of it at a pretty high level where I would, like, travel across the country playing softball. Yeah. And for, I would say, 85%, 80%, 90% of that time, I wore a fitted hat backwards. Uh, pretty I much remember. because of Ken Griffey Jr. Um, because I yeah, like that. I like that he did that, and I also like that, like because we would play arc, and I don't like that 
the bill of the hat yeah. gets in the way of a ball coming down, I'd have to go like this. So um, between those two reasons, I wore a backwards fitted hat for pretty much my entire career of playing softball. But a lot of it was because Griffey Jr. made it look cool. I mean, he just made it look cool. It is what it is, man, you know? So, yeah, nope. that's a good nope. one. That's a good one. That's a tough one because Trout is still playing. Trout, yes. And you kind of yes, have to project is. out a little bit. But, I mean, you can't you, just, you can't assume that he's just going to drop off all out of nowhere. And even if he did, no. 10 years no. of 35 home runs, 100 RBIs, best player in the league. Like, oh, if his career ended now, it's he's first battle. It's yeah. no doubt. Like, yeah. he's, he's in no matter what. Like, yeah. yeah, it just – It is sad because if Griffey didn't get hurt so much – this probably wouldn't even be an argument because Griffey would have the career and the prime, yeah. you know, but yeah. because of the injuries, it just, it does suck. Cause we could say the same thing about bird bird. If he does, if he doesn't have the yeah. bad back at the end, it is, it's funny about him too, you know, it, um, as being a result of the era like, I don't know if, if he was in this, if Larry bird played in this era with medicine and training and therapy the way it is now, would he have had the same back issues? Sometimes it just is what it is. You just, you're built the way you're built, and you're and you break down the way you break down. It's, it's not much you could do about it, but you wonder, right? And you wonder, like, if Griffey yeah, doesn't get hurt, like, what kind of career are we really talking about? Because it's like he he was playing at a really high level until those injuries started to pile up, and then it just it's, it's just over. It's just gone, you know. And it's like one of those things too. Like, did he that sucks? He didn't win in Seattle, but he went to Cincinnati, his hometown, got a lot of money there, and then he just started breaking down. Yeah. And Cincinnati's probably going – and Cincinnati had some good players too. They had Barry Larkin, Pokey Reese, Sean Casey. Yeah. Guys, they had some – I don't know I don't know what their pitching looked like back then. We're going back 20 years ago. It was but, an interesting move too yeah. because he was – they were on a, they were an elite team in Seattle, and he went to what yes. was not a good team. Now, they had a couple good years, but they were never like true contenders with the, him in Cincinnati, which – you know, you, you hate to see that like – you know, I know his dad played there, and that was a big, big part of why he went there. Like a little nostalgia and all that kind of stuff. But man, you would have liked to seen him. If you're gonna move, if you're gonna leave, go to like, you know, there was talk of him going to the Yankees. But his dad, you know, they hated the Yankees because he felt like his dad got screwed over by the Yankees. So he's like, I'd rather retire than play for the Yankees. Isn't all right, easy, Kenneth. Yeah, slow down, buddy. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a good one. I like that one. And we'll be able to revisit that one in a few years to see to see how, how yes. much how much. I I think trout trout. I think he's just I think he's the best player in the game and I don't I don't see him slowing down that much. Um okay, so here's uh here's my second one. And this is a little more obscure. Um but I, I think it's interesting because I think the one guy gets underrated. Not that he was good, but I think he gets underrated. But I think he gets underrated for a very good reason. So my two guys that I'm gonna compare here and I'm gonna say for career and prime are Kenny O'Brien, quarterback for the Jets. And Mark Rippon, quarterback for the no longer known as the Washington Redskins. And I'm making the <laughs> argument that Kenny O'Brien actually had a better career and Mark Rippon had a better prime. Okay. Okay. And here's why I say that. Statistically speaking, Kenny O'Brien had actually – so if you went back to before the modern era of like passing quarterbacks, like if you go back like 15 years, statistically speaking, Kenny O'Brien was a top 30 quarterback. Kenny O'Brien is ranked higher than Fran Tarkenton. Like when it comes to yards passing, completion percentage, wow. touchdown passes, right? So Kenny O'Brien, I mean, let me see if I can get this right. Um Kenny O'Brien has like 700 more completions than than Mark Rippon. He's got like 
a thousand more. He's got a thousand more attempts. He has a higher completion percentage. He's got seven thousand more passing yards. Kenny O'Brien threw for twenty five thousand yards in his career. So if you go back before this modern era of like freaky quarterbacks where you can't touch quarterback, I'm telling you, Kenny O'Brien was a. Top, I think he was ranked twenty seventh all time. But Kenny O'Brien gets murdered and rightfully so because the Jets took him instead of taking who? Uh, yeah, Dan Marino. Dan right? Marino. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, yards per attempt seven. I mean, he just—he um, actually had a pretty good career, like a very good career. He had an eighty quarterback rating. Like he just was—he actually had a very good career, and it went—it went on for like ten years, like a solid career for ten years. His problem was turn the ball over because he got hit a lot. So every t- it seemed like any time he got hit, he fumbled, right? So that was a major problem. And zero and two in the playoffs. Okay, so you know the Jets didn't make the playoffs. Very often, three playoff games, 0-2 oh, as a starting Sounds familiar. Okay. Mark Rippon, on the other hand, you're really talking about four years. There was like a four-year stretch that he played with the Redskins and uh, obviously won Super Bowl. And if I'm not mistaken, I want to get this straight, 5-2 and two playoff record. You know, the, the thing that's interesting about people's playoff records is that Unless you win the Super Bowl, you're guaranteed one loss. Like every team other than the team that wins the Super Bowl loses their last game. So yeah. like when we see playoff records, it's it's like Peyton Manning has like a 500 playoff record because it's freaking hard, dude. Because you're unless you sure. win the Super Bowl, like you look at like a Peyton Manning and you say, well, he's got like a little bit over a 500 playoff record. But he made the playoffs every year, so every year you're gonna get elite, you're gonna get one playoff loss, except for the year you win the Super Bowl, right? So if you go one and one, you're 500, but you made the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? So it's funky. Yeah. If you go 0 and one, it now is. you're like you're below 500, right? So he had a five and two playoff record, which is really something else. But that's basically five and two over four years. Like he had this great yeah. run because, yeah. and then I think he got hurt, and Jay Schrader, if I'm not mistaken, ended up taking his place and had <laughs> and had a had a little kind of semi good prime himself there for a little while. Um, so like, but we think like one of the greatest Super Bowl runs and Super Bowl teams in history, like one of the greatest seasons, was the Washington Redskins, the one year with Mark Rippon, because they man they they put. Sick numbers on the board. They scored a shit ton of points. I think I was a freshman in college that year, um, and they won the Super Bowl. It was an elite football team. They had, so, um, you know, statistically speaking, you know, it was a four year run. And and he, I mean, he played for That's more than cool. he he played for more than four years. He played for a bunch of other teams. I don't have all those teams in front of me. Um, he played for I think he played for four different teams, but he was never he never did anything with any of them. Uh, but Kenny O'Brien had a very you know. Outside of the fact that he was picked over Dan Marino, had a really statistically had a very successful ten year run as quarterback for the New York Jets. And and the other thing, <coughs> excuse me, you know, um, you know, while you could say there was a lot of disappointment in those years because they never made a real playoff run, the other side of it is the Jets were competitive more or less every one of those years. You know, they they you know, some of the greatest games you, you still see highlights of are Monday Night Football, Jets versus Miami that ended up being like, you know, a shit ton of points went to overtime. Like he had battles with Dan Marino. It wasn't just Dan Marino blowing out the Jets all the time. Like there were battles and Kenny O'Brien statistically, you know, went toe to toe with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And they were competitive. They were a competitive team. They weren't a great team, but they were a competitive team for a very long run. 
So it was a good career. It was a solid career. Whereas I don't know that, you know, four years can be considered a solid career. But boy, in those four years, Mark Rippon packed a, packed a lot of victories in the Super Bowl into that short amount of time. Dude, I'll tell you, man, you, you learn something every day. I had no idea Kenny O'Brien numbers were like that. I guess because, like you said, he, he, he just got shit on because of the, the ah, draft. Just, and, and again, it's not his fault, but, you know, from a Jets no, perspective, it's, it's pretty obvious. Look, now, and, and, and hindsight's yeah. twenty twenty. It's It's easy to look back and say, oh, you could have had Dan Marino. At the time, people were like, who the hell? I think he was Cal State Fullerton or Cal Davidson or Cal, like nobody even knew who the hell Kenny O'Brien was. And and everybody was right. saying, dude, you got Dan Marino on the board and you're taking Kenny O'Brien. So it wasn't it wasn't a hindsight 2020. Uh, it, it is, but it was also <laughs> it was also at the time, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, come on, man. You know, so yeah. but but Mark Rippon, what's also interesting about him is nobody knew who the hell he was. When he started yeah. that year for the Redskins, everybody's like, "Who the hell's this guy?" Like, you didn't know who the hell he was. It was kind of like it had a little Kurt Warner feel to it, and that it was like, "Where'd this guy come from?" Was this? I think he might have been packing grocery bags at the grocery, you know, shop right, you know, before the season started. Also, just like Kurt Warner was. So, and and then take his now, team to a Super Bowl with one of the most prolific offenses ever. To bring this full circle, does this make you sad that Mark Rippon's nephew beat the Jets last year? With the Broncos on Thursday night, I'm sorry, I had to do it. I'm sorry, I. That's mean. You know it's what? A, we should be. It's just hurtful. I'm sorry. It's just hurtful. <laughs> just for that, I'm gonna call no, bullshit on your that, career versus prime. That was a good. One. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. All right, who do you got? So I'll I'll wrap it up with two University of Southern California safeties. Can you name them? Okay, I'm gonna say Ronnie Lott. Yes, sir. Hmm. I don't know who the other one would be. Troy Palomalu. Ooh. 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 So, doing, where doing are you going with this? this? So, doing some research on this, NFL careers, obviously not college careers, because only maniacs like us know college careers. But Ronnie Lott had the better career overall. Ten Pro Bowls, six All Pros, sixty-three career interceptions, which and, is fucking nuts. And minus one pinky in a playoff game. And minus a finger, yeah, <laughs> minus a digit. Sixteen forced fumbles, seventeen f- fumble recoveries, four-time champion, eight sacks, Four five touchdowns. Palomalu had how eight many Pro years? Bowls, four... Do you know how many I think years? Twelve. Years? Okay. I think twelve or thirteen That's years. At the end, like he was, a, yeah. Dude, Palomalu, eight Pro Bowls, four All Pros, 32 picks, 14 forced fumbles, seven recoveries, 12 sacks, two-time champ, and five touchdowns. So Ryan Lott had better numbers, but I like – and again, Ryan Lott's a little bit before my time. He was probably right in the middle of your, like, loving so football good. and stuff. Well, Palomalu, my brother being a Steelers fan, and a couple of my best friends being Steelers fans, I watch a ton of those games. Palomalu was all over the place. Jumping over a line of scrimmage, like, yeah. like chasing down, like just returning punts. Like he was a great, great, like glue guy for those. And he's and he's going in the Hall of Fame this year. And he's letting his defensive coordinator, Dick LeBeau, introduce mm. present him, which is which is like fantastic. That. Very cool. So so when you have a when you have a leader like that and 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 you trust your DC and your DC trusts you, and then you do something like that, that brought something that's what brought to my attention, like, man. Ronnie Lott's obviously an all-time great. Four, I mean, four-time champion too. Like those Niner teams, 
those defenses don't get enough credit because you hear about Bill Walsh's offense and Montana, but Charles Haley and those guys, Ronnie Lott. Just like we said before, right? You, we, we talk about all the great offenses and the tr- championship teams, and I said mentioned the Cowboys and how like during their three yeah. championships, oh, we only think about Troy Aikman and Emmitt Smith, and but it was a great defense. It was a great, and it's yeah. same with San yeah. Francisco. Obviously, you have Montana and you have the, but dude, their defense. You mentioned Haley. Charles Haley was on Frisco before yeah. he was on San Fran- uh, before he was on the Cowboys. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I would I would take not 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 knowing Ron- I would take Ryan Lott's career, but Palomalu's like six year stretch when the Steelers win the AFC Championship game every year and going to Super Bowls. I tell you, he was uh, him and Ed Reed too. We could, that's another guy we can go compare to later on. Maybe we do this again, but. How much of Paul, the hair flowing back in the helmet? Yeah. I would take his prime, I think, over and then Ronnie Lott's Here's career. what I'll tell you. It's Ronnie Lott that changed the position and made it possible for a Troy Palomalo to do what he did. Because Ronnie Lott True. was so explosive himself and so athletic that he was physical enough to be a run stopper and, and also play at the line of scrimmage, but athletic enough to be a defensive back. To cover yeah, yeah. Like yeah. You didn't really see that. That wasn't really how the positions were. Pl- the position was played. They were defensive backs. They stayed back. Yeah, Safety, like you say in, in that in that era. Yeah, that's crazy. So so interestingly, it's it's Ronnie Lott who kind of reinvented the strong safety free like the safety position so that yeah. a Troy Palomalu can do what he does. And I will agree with you because Palomalu was absolutely faster. Even more athletic. Ronnie Lott was athletic, but he was even more athletic than him. Um, so here's a way I'll put it to you, if you want to say it like this, because I kind of agree with you. If you had just one game, I would I would want Troy Palomalu. I, I would. But agree. if I had yeah. to sign one to a like a five or six year contract, I'm gonna take Ronnie Lott because Troy Palomalu yeah, also ran into you know he did have some injury. It was more towards the end of his career, but he had some injury issues here and there where Ronnie Lott was just. Dude, doesn't that name Ronnie Lott just sound like a badass? Doesn't it just sound like someone who just will kick your ass? Oh, uh, whose house you going over? Oh, I'm going over Ronnie Lott's house. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ! Like, uh, don't mess, don't mess with Ronnie Lott. Like, jeez, you want to bring Dick Butkus and Ronnie Lott? You know, you want to bring power tools and Budweiser there? Like, it's just like, and then and then he just. He just solidifies his own story by cutting off his goddamn pinky to yeah. to stay in a stay in a football game. Jesus Christ, well, dude! On the opposite on the opposite of that, one of our favorite stories, like one of when we're sitting around drinking, like laughing, when they used to announce themselves on Monday Night Football, mm. and Troy Palomalo's running to people, he's fucking knocking your block off, and he'd go, "I'm Troy Palomalo, University of Southern California." With the hair. And you're like, "What? That <laughs> voice is coming out of that? Like, what is going on?" Uh... <laughs> <laughs> There are some others. There, this is a tough one because you know, there's nothing wrong with Troy Polamalu's career. There's nothing wrong with Kobe Bryant's career. Let's not, try, you know, uh, or or yeah. or I should say Larry Bird's right. career. You, you know, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or um, well, I guess there's a big difference between Ken O'Brien and Mark Rippon's career. But I guess even if you want to say like, well, who would you rather be? Whose career would you rather have, Ken O'Brien or Mark Rippon? You'd rather have Mark Rippon's. You'd rather be a meteoric rise and get the championship, you know, than than just a good yeah. steady. You know, there's nothing wrong with Kenny O'Brien's career. It just was, it was Kirk Cousins. You know, it was kind of Kirk Cousins, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's just not greatness. You'd rather, I, I, I'd rather have been Mark Rippon, and just go win a championship. I don't even mean as a yeah. Jet. I just mean like if I could go no, and be one of those. 
you know, there's something to be said about being in the league for 10, 12 years, whatever Kenny O'Brien was in the league for. Like, there's, there's something really cool about that. But, dude, to go hoist the trophy, to go hoist the Super Bowl trophy, you know, you'd give up. <laughs> what did um, what did um, Tom Brady just said? He was asked, would you give up? Would you give up two Super Bowls to go undefeated and win the Super Bowl this year? Would yeah. You, would you give up two previous Super Bowls to go no, undefeated? No, Wasn't that what it was? No, no, it was to go undefeated that year against the Giants to win that one. Oh, I thought it was close. for this year. Would you give up no, two to go this year undefeated and win the Super Bowl? No, I thought it was to give up two to win that one. But so it'd be so he'd win one. So he'd, be, he'd only be losing one. But he'd have that legacy undefeated nineteen and zero. Oh, okay. And I he goes, it. oh I my god, he yeah, goes, absolutely, I wouldn't. Yeah. And Eli like speed back goes, not a chance, buddy boy. Yeah, or something like that. It was so there's something cool, obviously. There, it's you want you want the championship, yeah. you know. Yeah. But if you can't get the championship, it's nice to have a long 10 12 Dude, you're, career. You're, you're talking about a guy that's got rings. He doesn't know where they are at this point. Like, they're just all he doesn't have enough fingers. Like He's running out I of friggin' fingers, for God's sake. But that's like the wrong guy to compare to. <laughs> Jesus. Episode 17 in the books. Who do we got for 17? Dave Brown? Quincy Carter? Ugh. Dave Brown. We got it better than that. Come on, 17? Plex, Plex, Plexico Burris? When he was gonna shoot himself in the leg. I got to go shoot myself in the leg for this episode. Bang, bang, bang. My boy Braylon Edwards with the Browns. Man, 17 is not a great number. Jesus Christ. We got to do a better job of preparing for the number before the episode starts. Oh, my God. Dude, I'm like, yeah, that's not good. Is there anybody? Is there anybody? Now I got to question our career versus our prime here. We're, we're already out of our prime. We can't even come up with a number seven. Oh, my God. 17. Dude. Come on. There's got to be someone. It's got to be a decent starter right now, no? Philip Rivers? Ugh. Is he 17? Yeah. It's better than everything else we said. He is going to be a Hall of Famer. I know. That's he's true. I know. Turned the ball over too many times oh. in the red zone recently in, in recent years. But. He's, a whiny, he's a whiny bitch, but anyway. Like Everyone have a great day. <laughs> he does. I'm Pete Colisano for Scott Bracey, and you've been listening to Bump and Run. We'll catch you guys next week. Later. Later.